0: Welcome to Morelia Python Radio, with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre.
1: Well, I can't say good evening, because it's not good evening, so welcome to Morelia Python yeah,
0: they, Radio. Yeah, going to mess it up, because,
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I end the show with, like, good night. I don't know what the hell I'm going to I'm going to spend the whole show thinking about that. So... Yeah. So in today's show,
1: we're going to be talking to the to the guys from Herptological Highlights. If you haven't heard this uh, reptile podcast, uh, I definitely recommend you uh, find it on uh, iTunes. You can go to Her Highlights. Uh, I think wait their email or their website is HerHighlights.Podbean.com. You can see all the episodes that they have. I, I know it's on Stitcher and um, also on iTunes. Um, Rob, what do you download it on? because I know you have Android, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
3: beyond Pod, which is similar to Stitcher, but I prefer okay. it. So. Uh, so so basically, by, by the way, Rob
2: stone's, it, stones here, you know. We oh, should yeah, probably yeah, throw yeah, that yeah. out there. Uh, yeah. What's
3: going
1: on? <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to cover every uh single uh time zone that we could in yeah, one got episode. It. <laughs> <laughs> so, um so we'll be doing that. But um yeah, th- those guys um they they basically take a, a topic every week or no every two weeks right the third show and um i can't imagine the amount of work that goes into doing i mean i i complain about our show and the work that goes into it i can't imagine having to dissect
0: (laughs) oh yeah
1: basically they break it down and and then they talk about the the thing i think you know for people that are listening to this show the absolute my favorite show was bodacious boas and um, yep. I can't remember what episode uh, where they talk about constriction, and it just blew my mind. It's just amazing. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, Rob served us up some clips so we can hear it. Um, and then the other one that I really liked was when they talked about I don't remember what episode it was. Rob, you probably do. Um, the uh, the viper with the uh, the spider tail butt. What is yeah, it so called? Yeah, so there's a couple. Oh. I love those. Iranian
0: uh,
3: spider-tailed viper, <laughs> yeah. something, something along those lines. Yeah, so it appeared twice, um, once in that Badacious Bubba show, and then I actually pulled the clip from the episode 8, Deceptive Snakes. So that one's, we're going to have some of that action in this too. Cool.
1: Yeah, so the cool thing, and we'll get these guys on in one second, but the cool thing about that um, in particular is, is that that's a species that I didn't even know existed. I didn't even know there mm-hmm. was such a thing. And I remember I was driving my car, listening to the episode, and, you know, I'm like, i got to look this up because they're talking about how the, uh, you know, the, the, the tail mimics a spider. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. I guess I guess it's going to look <laughs> – I mean, it looks exactly like a spider. It freaked me out. I, I, yeah. yeah. So, I
3: well, and the Googled weird part, this. too, is that they get it as they grow. Like, they're yeah. not born like that. They develop it over time. So it's really weird.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Tomorrow. Totally. But I don't love spiders, so it's
3: pretty creepy actually watching the video.
2: <laughs> it that is someone's nightmare. It's like it is yeah. a snake spider. It's like that is straight <laughs> out of some people's nightmares. So yeah. Yeah. and I love so, it. It's uh, so cool.
1: So yeah, so uh, you know, again, th- that's just a glimpse into uh into their um you know, into their podcast. But the you know, me and Rob were talking before and you know we don't really know anything about them themselves because really they focus on you know just reading the papers and going through them and stuff. So uh, I think that it would be a good idea to get to uh, to know these guys and you know what's their background and uh, you know etc. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So right? Cool.
0: Yes. All right, let's get to it. All right. <clears throat>
1: Welcome, no more Tom and Ben. <laughs> How you guys doing?
4: Very well, thank you. Good evening.
5: Yeah, glad we can well, be on the show. Yeah,
4: we're good. Thanks for having us on. It's been great.
5: Thanks yeah. for such a nice, kind intro as well. It's really good to hear you guys are listening to it. It's kind of surreal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's
2: uh, we, we, we definitely dig that kind of scientific reptile, of course, stuff. So yeah, um, definitely yeah, cool love this. Thing- the cool thing is
5: is like,
1: I'm I'm so glad that, you know, with the podcast world now, there's just such a, uh, opportunity for these little niche of different, you know, uh, podcasts when it comes to reptiles. And I'm glad to see that, you know, obviously we're like a keeping and breeding type of thing. And you guys are, you know, from the scientific type of world. And it's like, it's just awesome, you know, cause
5: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. We, me and Ben have had the same discussion actually, like, uh, Although we're both broadly speaking about reptiles, um, we're kind of, like you say, like we're partitioning the niche. uh, And Mm. it it works really well. And, uh, yeah, no, there's not too much overlap. And honestly, there's like more and more and more reptile podcasts. Um, And I don't know about you guys, but I listen to pretty much all of them um yep and yeah there's not really like a finite amount of reptile podcasts i can consume so the more the merrier definitely
0: yeah thank god
1: one of the other ones have to go because i won't listen exactly.
0: to exactly <laughs> and, and I, <laughs> I can't i
2: can't listen to us so there has to be more things out there besides us because no, i will not listen to myself talk so <laughs> <Yeah>. thank god <laughs> so there are others now yeah. yeah
5: i have to listen to it because we we don't go out live like you guys so we uh, Well, we take it in turns. We take it in turns to edit. So one of us will be listening to the whole podcast before it goes out. And, yeah, it on the bend, hearing your own voice for two hours. Yeah, I don't like it's it. Like, no, <laughs> it's punishing. Very punishing.
2: Over and over again.
3: Well, and the other cool thing that uh, I really like about your guys' show is just that despite being scientific, you do it, you present it in a really relatable way. And then all sort of all the fun wordplay and sort of just having fun with it, not being, you know, some of the other stuff can tend to be, for my taste, too serious, you know? So I think you guys do a great Mm -hmm. job of presenting a ton of great information, but not being uh, too serious about yourselves or about the material. So
1: what Rob is is saying is, is that you make it digestible for stupid guys like me and Owen.
5: (laughs) Well, the so, trying, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can hear us trying to get our heads around it and that was kind of like the whole point <laughs> of the podcast, Is like we wanted to we wanted to do more reading and we wanted to discuss this stuff and we kind of were anyway so we thought you know let's let's kind of have have this platform where we can chat about stuff it benefits us because we're forced to learn it if we're going to try and regurgitate it in a vague vaguely sensible format um so yeah it, it's a good
4: thing i think Right. And you've always got to remember that we're being slightly careful with the papers we pick, and not delving <laughs> into something that's describing the intricacies of some venom somewhere that no one's <laughs> going to understand, it's going to take some <laughs> days for us to try and understand ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit like, of, little bit of uh, behind the scenes to make things. You know, one easy paper, one more difficult paper. Don't overload ourselves, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> still working.
5: Like after kind of to we finish recording. One episode. Oh, sorry, go on. Are we we jumping ahead? No, 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 no. no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, like, often, um, after we finish recording a podcast, uh, we'll usually sort of decide on a topic for the next episode. Um, yeah there's a lot of like skimming through papers and just being like whoa okay yeah there's no way i'm gonna get around my head around this kind of niche modeling let's just move on do something a little bit more simple
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, what i was gonna ask
1: before <laughs> owen through an introduction of you guys but like how do you go about picking the paper is it something that you're interested in that, that at that at that time i know like for me when i'm doing a topic on on our podcast it'll be something that i'm into at the moment you know and hmm. how do you guys go about
4: it I think it depends on how much time we have in the, in the coming two weeks, right? If we've got, okay. got a nice empty couple of weeks, we can put something a bit more exotic and a bit more outside our comfort zone. So that'd be, I don't know, probably something amphibian-based or, or, I don't know, salamanders, because I've only ever seen one salamander in my life in the wild, so they're <laughs> completely foreign to me. And then if you get, oh, things are going to be busy in the next couple of weeks, we'll pick something closer to home, you know, snakes, how they move, what they're doing, habitat choice. So a bit more down to earth and in line with what we're doing every day. So you've got that overlap, overlap between your current research and the reading you need to do to the podcast. So you already right. have some of that background knowledge that you can just, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that paper. read it last week for another purpose and throw that in as, a, as an aside or whatever.
5: Yeah, And you'll hear that in,
4: ev- in any episode where
5: we talk about either king cobras or snake movement, you'll hear Ben kind of like shift up a gear and go like next level in his knowledge. Uh, and, yeah. Or cane <laughs> toads. There's always, yeah. always
4: that opportunity to shove cane toads in. Yeah, it. Always the cane, toads.
5: Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, cane toads. are the bane
4: of my life. But, yeah, you do. <laughs> they're the bane of a lot of people's lives, man. They're they're tough guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> yes. yeah, fair.
0: Cool.
6: All
3: right.
0: Well, Eric, do on. you want
3: to play one clip first? Well, as I was going to say, do you want to play one of those clips first to introduce the introduce the show a little bit, and then we can hop into the outline?
1: Do it. Do it. What do, it you goes, me, do you want me to play, Rob? You tell yeah. me to clip.
3: Um, let's do the other stuff out of the bodacious boas. So the one that says okay. the other stuff, not the constriction one.
2: Gotcha. All right, I'll play. All right.
4: This is animals taking into account others' positions and behavior, but not necessarily communicating with them and also not targeting the same individual prey item. They're, they're going for different items. It would not work if
5: two snakes tried to eat the same thing. They
4: would end up with one snake
5: accidentally eating the other snake. So it might work for one snake. Oh yeah, one snake gets the double whammy (laughs) and the other snake's
4: just like, oh man.
5: It certainly wouldn't be something the the snakes would be repeating.
4: Yeah, I'm just picturing a really grim version of Lady and the Tramp. Oh, where the spaghetti, (laughs) the whole thing goes in. Goodness me, terrible. What an image. But yeah, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that as, weird, as, if, as if a rat's
5: heart exploding wasn't bad enough, now we've got Lady completely engulfing Tramp Oh, childhood
4: Destroyed yeah,
5: yeah,
4: terrible Crocodilians use tools for hunting In that title, you could replace crocodilians with orangutans and people <laughs> probably wouldn't bat an eyelid So, these crocodiles have bow and arrows, is that right? Yeah, they're just, <laughs> they're just <laughs> capping fish left and right, they <laughs> <I> love it <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is this is uh, rather fantastic. These guys are a couple of species doing this. We've got Mugger crocodiles once again, and we have got American alligators. And what these crocodiles are doing, these guys are going for egrets and other sort of wading birds that nest around wetland areas. And what they're doing is sitting there in the top of the water and laying sticks along their, their snouts. Yeah. And what will happen if the ugret comes down, oh yeah, I'm building a nest, grab some sticks, bam, got by the croc, job done, game over for the egret. And you think, oh yeah, it's just fine, it's just sticks happen to land on the crocodile's snout and it's taking advantage of it.
5: Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. We're all sceptical, as we said, when it comes to big animals that look
4: like dinosaurs using their guiding <laughs> wit. Whether that's fair or not, we are. But you look in the timing of it and it really seems to happen all around very early breeding season for the egrets around this nest breeding that's when it occurs most and when you see it most other time of year eh, not so much and it's not like these rivers are filled with sticks either the rest of the river yeah you don't see many sticks they're all stuck on the crocodile's snouts mm. yes it needs more investigation to really just hammer home yeah this is something that they know what they're doing but my gosh, it's very interesting. And I don't know, I'm, I'm convinced that these crocodiles might know more than we, we give them credit. I mean, I've just seen a photo of it. And
5: uh, it is quite funny, (laughs) there's just this crocodile sat in some green water, haphazardly having got three sticks, like, literally just resting, it looks so hilariously obvious to me that that is a crocodile. Yeah. But obviously to an egret, if you're hell bent on finding a stick... You've got to make a nest. You're back at the nest waiting, you don't want to look a fool, so you come back with some sticks, or in this case, oh, the next photo is really grizzly, it's just a a bunch of feathers and a leg sticking out of a crocodile's mouth.
4: Yeah, alligators mouth, but yeah.
5: Oh, I should have known. Look at those teeth, yeah. (laughs) Fool! Boidae Epicrates Inornatus, now called, as we
4: know, Kylobothrys Inornatus. So, snake without heat pits, and is also undecorated. Which I think is very harsh. (laughs) (laughs) I really
5: do. I think calling any snake Inornatus D- dramatically unfair. That one in the photo, there's a, there's a photo of one in the paper, and that one is actually a hypomelanistic one, so
4: it's actually lighter than most. It's a bit of a cheat, really, because yeah, you're like, yeah, that is completely undecorated. It it hardly has a pattern. It's almost untextured. I think you're being grossly unfair. It's a beautiful snake. <laughs> I didn't say it wasn't beautiful. <laughs> but inornate
5: makes me think. I guess maybe it's more to do with like pattern intricacies. Well, think it think about it the other way. It's not decadent. Uh, okay, yeah, maybe that's less offensive. Yeah. Nevertheless, I still
4: think we could have come up with something it's better. It's a refined snake. Yeah. I would Knows have... what it likes, and it's plain and silvery. They found that the boas, when they hit and took a bat, had an average handling time of around 12 minutes, which if you remember back to one of the bo papers, the 2012, I think.
5: That was how long boa constrictors approximately were taking to so-called handle a rat. Yeah, as in with, it, with
4: its heart rate or not, and it matches up superbly. So you've got a wild and laboratory experiment, the green, which, well, it's pure gold. It's wonderful. It's exactly what you want. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I do have a slight bugbear with the use of the term handling for a snake eating something, given that... They don't have hands. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there again, what would you call it instead?
4: I, uh, I've got nothing. <laughs>
5: Slithering time... <laughs>
4: Manipulation time. Manipulation time. It's horrible though, it sounds a bit... It sounds like they're making the bats <laughs> vote for someone they didn't want to. <laughs> yeah,
5: it's got some like, weird connotations that... Yeah, maybe maybe handling time's there for a reason. I think
4: handling time is just universally used.
5: Yeah, <laughs> okay. Alright, I'll I'll le- I'll let this one lie. It might even fall to the researchers to organise if they're going to release photos of a new species which looks really cool It might even be one of their obligations to capture a few and set up captive breeding and have them available.
4: Gosh, that... Like, I love that in principle, but wow.
5: Same genus as the species that was completely extirpated, um, and they just said straight up, no, we're not telling you where they are. Um, Obviously, if you were studying gonosaurus in China, you could ask, and I'm sure they'd be forthcoming.
4: And then you post the wrong information and have the police waiting and wait. <laughs> gotcha.
5: <laughs> All we need is a cop car and loads of burgers and we can do sing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my favorite part of that whole thing was the grim lady and the tramp. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that was kind
1: of, kind of graphic.
5: <laughs> oh, man,
1: yeah. That was awesome. That, that, but
5: that's a little taste series... for the show. Uh, yeah. yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you for subjecting me to my own voice. Yeah, <laughs> we just talked about this and then we made you
2: yeah. do it. It's like, yeah, it's great.
0: Oh, uh, no, no. But we
6: nice only have five more. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah? <That's great>. <laughs> <laughs> Look uh, forward to it.
2: We know uh, how to torture people on this show. So it's. Uh, <laughs> like,
5: come on, Borrelia Fight and Radio. for a punishment. hmm.
0: Like a water hour, torture. Yeah, exactly.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But no, that was uh that was awesome. So, um I guess what we'll do now is uh obviously I want you guys to tell us a little bit more about yourselves. Um you know, uh obviously we know who you are. <laughs> so, let's <laughs> um let's get into uh you know, what are you keeping right now? You know, what's uh what's the collection looks like or you know, uh well, you you
5: know, know, you a little bit of background back on you guys. Yeah. how yeah. get into
2: little... Yeah. Background about reptiles and how'd you guys, how'd you guys get into them?
5: Okay, cool. Um, shall I go first, Ben? I think my route's a little more traditional than yours. Yeah, yeah. Go with yours and then I'll throw the curveball. Cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, mine's, yeah. I mean, I listen to you guys' podcasts and everyone says more or less a similar thing. Um, and yeah, mine story is exactly alike. So, uh, when I was really, really little, I was completely obsessed with dinosaurs. Um, you know, I was constantly playing with dinosaur toys, consuming everything I could about dinosaurs. Um, that kind of moved on. Uh, it's actually a really specific moment in my life where it, it sort of became all about snakes. Um, I was five five years old and I uh, went to a garden center. I don't know if you guys have garden centers in the States, but it's just like a plant shop and they sell pets and stuff. Um, and yeah, I was there with my grandparents and uh, we were at that section looking in the cages, looking at the snakes and stuff and uh, one of the employees uh, had a corn snake out and uh, so my granddad tells me the guy asks me he's like do you want to hold the snake and um, I was pretty nervous I think at the time I was like what is this Um, so yeah the guy managed to persuade me put it in my neck and I was just completely enraptured by this animal Um, just having had no experience of snakes prior to that just completely mesmerized by it Um, and that was kind of the in my life I think so at five years old I was then completely obsessed with snakes um, every time I went to the pet shop like my mum would let me get a book on snakes so I was mm. just reading and reading and reading and um, I think I was pestering my parents for a snake from the age of five and then they'd always said by the time I was 14 I'd be allowed to get a snake and I used to whittle them down through like you know various trip shops, trips to pet shops and stuff every weekend and uh, yeah ended up getting a corn snake called Taz for my 10th birthday um, which obviously was awesome. And then kind of a steady stream, more snakes followed. I used to go to a um, really cool, there's a reptile club, Thames and Chiltern Reptile Club. Um, so my mum used to take me there once a month. Uh, and that was really cool. There was just loads of, loads of keepers there, loads of like knowledgeable people who kind of, I think they'd, they liked it when kids would go along because like obviously my enthusiasm was completely bottomless. So I'd always have chats to, some of them worked in zoos, that So, yeah, I just had this kind of um, real base of knowledge to tap into um, and combine that with sort of all the reading and reptile shops and things like that. Uh, it kind of never went away. Um, and, yeah, so basically from a very young age, I've just been completely obsessed.
2: That's awesome. So um, what is what does it look like now? I mean, are you keeping now? Or do you have... Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what do you got? Yeah. Damn. So, I
5: haven't, I haven't, I haven't, I mean, compared to you guys, I haven't got loads. I've got okay. six snakes. Um, so, I keep, I have one of my first two corn snakes. And so, I've had her since I was 11. So, she's 16 now. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. I've got a boa constrictor, constrictor, like a true uh, guy on a red tail. Um, he's a big, big old snake as well. He was a 13th birthday present. Um, he's called Bam. He's huge. Uh, mm. And then I've, yeah, I've got a Bredel's Bredel's python, uh, another snake I've had since a teenager. Uh, so that's actually a Morelia python. So I do have a Morelia python. Yay! Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or be, or be you win some sort of prize, right? <laughs> yeah, it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe another Bredel's python. Uh, but yeah, no, like uh, I've got yeah the Bredel's python. I've got one Solomon Island ground boa, the Candrea Um and I have a, a variable king snake called Darwin. Um, I think that's awesome. sick. Yeah, yeah. So, kind of a modest, but um, a few different things in there, yeah.
2: That's awesome. So, did you parlay it to kind of go through, um, did you kind of go to school for reptiles, or did you kind of just stick with, because I know you guys are a little bit uh further along with your reptile education than, say, myself or Eric, so... <laughs>
5: Oh, right, so uh, yeah, I actually forgot to mention, I always have an albino boa, I shouldn't leave her out, but yeah, so yeah, she's cool, um, so yeah, so I actually originally, like um, to well obviously in school, I didn't really, I wasn't really all about school when I was younger, so um, I ended up, I mean I got okay grades coming out of school, but uh, I wasn't, unfortunately I didn't really work hard enough to do well in biology, so I ended up dropping out of biology, um, so I never got an A level, which is like the 18 year old qualification in biology, And so I kind of went, I kind of like actually went away from snakes. I originally wanted to be a vet because that was kind of the only outlet I could think of to study reptiles. And I realized that I wasn't probably academic enough um, to become a vet. So in the end, I actually went to university and studied geography, um, which was, you know, it was was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, But while I was there, I did a few modules in ecology. um, And that kind of got my head turning about, um, like, sort of actually, Studying snakes properly. Um, and then after university, I went traveling around Southeast Asia for a little while. And while I was there, I saw a few snakes in the wild. And uh, Maya, she was going back to university to study a master's. And I was like, well, there's no reason why I can't go back, do a master's and kind of focus on this thing, which has been like the main obsession of my life since I was a child. So I went back and um, I studied applied ecology for a master's degree. Um, and while I was there, I Really, cool academics. A guy called Jan Stapala who has published a book on chameleons, which is excellent, called Mountain Dragons, um, and some like really really knowledgeable people researching color change. And um, yeah, we ended up setting up a project investigating uh, color change in flat-necked chameleons, Chamaeleo dilepis, which is a Tanzanian chameleon. Um, And yeah, it just kind of went from there. Um, That was an awesome experience. We had eight chameleons in this um, little Controlled lab, and we were putting them in various arenas, trying to get them to change color and match their surroundings, or, or match their patterns to the surroundings, um, which was just really great fun. And just working with chameleons was really fun in of itself, um, even though they absolutely hated me. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> chameleons are the most
5: like, yeah, they're just violent. They just really don't like humans. And it's
0: like, yeah, I don't like,
5: like, okay, no ever sees even, that coming. Yeah, no yeah one ever sees I know. An angry chameleon. So amicable, they've got these like comical faces, they got these little other mitts of hands. You just think, Oh, these are gonna be nice, <laughs> these are gonna be nice guys. No, you couldn't be more wrong, they're horrible. They bite you. They're like, I swear, three quarters of a chameleon's behaviors are designed around being pissed off. So, yeah, um, yeah, that was fun. Uh, and then anyway, once finish, yeah, wow, getting into it. So, once I finished uh, the master's degree, um, that's kind of probably the next step of the story where uh, me and Ben met and we did some other stuff. Um, so into that just yet, we'll let Ben go or maybe, it kind of ties into yeah. Ben's stuff so maybe I'll pass it over to Ben
4: think... Yeah, yeah, we can yeah, to ben.
2: Yeah. What got you into reptiles and all that fun stuff? <laughs> well I'm a little bit
4: of a yeah, I'm late to the game, I mean I've only really, really been doing stuff with reptiles for the past I don't know, three and a bit years now um, Oh, okay Like throughout childhood I was sort of generically sort of academic doing maths and chemistry and things like that through school years and uh, yeah, a bit, bit of dinosaur fan like Tom. I mean, I grew up on the south coast of England, which has some of the best fossils in right. all of the UK. It's absolutely stunning. So there's always been that in the background, and, you know, mm-hmm. love of animals is pretty pretty natural anyway. Um, but in terms of what I wanted to do, I was completely... I think it was a little bit of a double-edged sword, Was yeah, I could do a lot of stuff academically, so I had a lot of choice, but then I also... Found it difficult to choose anything, so worm my way along, not really knowing. Did exactly what Tom did and did a degree in geography because you well, if you do geography, you can pretty much do anything and you work it out. Work out what you want to do later. Um, <laughs> that was that was all right. I mean, I ended up doing a dissertation looking at pollen that was trapped in uh, peat bogs in Iceland, and thinking, oh, this is great. I'll just do this paleoecology. This is this is awesome. Learning about the past using Using mud, <laughs>
0: why not? <laughs> um,
4: <laughs> but it turns out it's not it's not too many too many jobs and uh, positions looking like that. So you have a couple fall full through, and you and you're looking for other stuff to do. I was pretty fortunate to have a bit of money saved up, but I during my university I went out to uh, oh. southern Madagascar for a month well, uh, down cool. in the spiny forest, and oh boy, that was like talk about formative experience that was okay this is what conservation is there are people doing this this is a career you can have just learning about animals in in places that we don't know anything about mm, yeah i could probably do this uh, yeah <laughs> i can get right. behind
2: this yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. exactly. twist my arm yeah you know <laughs> jesus
4: <laughs> so sort of come back to that try and twist my geography degree as best i can to ecology and conservation that's so cool. Yep, all right, goes sort of fine with a bit of the paleoecology stuff in the background. Uh, out of uni, okay, what do I do now? Okay, I've got, to, I've got to get a job. And by sheer dumb luck, this is where Tom and I meet, um, there's, a, there's a position for King Cobra radio tracker. <laughs> well, that sounds downright awesome. Uh, it's a bit of a long shot. I've got no background in ecology. I don't know what anything to do with radio telemetry, to be honest. <laughs> and by pure dumb luck, I mean, I, I don't know, I must have got real lucky in the, in, in, in the interviews because halfway through, they were cutting out with internet. We hardly got a proper conversation going. But next thing I know, a month later, I'm in Thailand being trained to track king, track kings. And oh. I haven't, haven't really looked back since. I mean, I did, what was it, six, six seven months out here doing that and getting unbelievably into it and yeah just learning everything i possibly could think okay i've got to i've got to continue this this is this is fantastic i've completely fallen for reptiles snakes whole shebang you know if it's if it's just general fauna, yep all right that'll do conservation these guys you can't uh study snakes and not be completely taken by them like you just they're absolute pure underdogs, and if there's anybody that needs help, it's animals that are just hated by everybody, or so many people it seemed. I remember the one of the first, I don't know, first two three days I was in Thailand. Went tractor king on the way there. We see people swerving across the highway, trying to run over this uh, Burmese python. I it just just blew my mind that people would be Aww. going so far out of their way to so just kill things. I mean, this python was already dead. It was just a corpse on the road, but oh boy, people were trying to make sure it was done. Aww. We get back back from tracking the king, and uh, there was a rescue call for a um, one of the common cobras. What was it? Uh, naja, uh, naja Kalfia. Um, so that's the first ever time seeing a cobra, and that was in an absolute state after being rescued, and stressed all the hell, and hissing, and oh absolutely furious that has a mm-hmm. lasting impact i think 2 days later we get another rescue call in another burmese python that had been caught up in a fishing net and just no. had it was absolutely shredded down one side so we stitched it up cleaned it up and got it back out you know these guys are pretty tough we've seen them go through unbelievable levels of injury had ones run over by trucks and they've just bounced back absolutely incredible animals jesus but that was that was it. That first week or so of seeing that level of, uh, I guess, snake persecution, you can't turn your back on that not easily. This is a problem. This is something that I'm going to work to solve. And uh, yeah, basically, I had to actually jump back to the UK after I did that to uh, get a masters myself. Um, mm-hmm. Well, actually, this is this is the Tom and I crossover. So while I was doing the king stuff, Tom was out there doing his helping with the pit vipers.
5: Yeah.
4: Um, so they were tracking <laughs> green pit vipers, which I, I had the Was a fun rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah guys, was a lot. about the comparison of work effort here, not work ethics, work work hours, <laughs> workload. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was comical. I mean, I was working
5: for this guy called Kurt Barnes, who's um, a really good friend of me and Ben's, and he was he was researching the pit vipers so I saw an advert concurrently to Ben seeing the advert for King Cobra spatial Ecology. I actually saw the King Cobra one, but um. For me personally, I think pit vipers hold a special place in my heart. I've always been fascinated by them. And I looked up, I remember looking up a photo. One of the species is um, Cryptelotrops macrops, the big-eyed pit viper. And I just, you know, bashed it into Google. Like, yeah, big-eyed pit viper. And I was just like, whoa, that has got to be, like, one of the <laughs> coolest animals that exists on planet Earth. It's fluorescent green. It's got giant eyes. It can see heat. It lives in trees. Like, what more could you possibly want? I was like, all right, apply for that. Um, similar story, similar story to Ben. I mean, I was fortunate enough to get you know had an interview um, chatted to uh, Colin Strine who is now Ben's boss, uh, who works you know he, he, he kind of runs the show out there in, in many ways, and uh, like got, got there and started doing this thing and, and yeah, it was just it was bonkers, how fun it was, um, but yeah, obviously mm. I mean tracking tracking a green pit viper, which is kind of sedentary nocturnal predator uh, as com-
0: they as pretty much how not
5: move. They literally <laughs> don't move. It's right there. Ridiculous. <laughs> if, <laughs> if, if you want to find an animal that is like just stone cold chilling 24-7, you've got to The is it. They just, you know, they just relax. And it's so funny as well because they have, they have these very quirky routines where they'll come out and they'll perch on a branch and they'll just stare at the tree for the whole night. And then in the morning when it's daytime, they're just like, ah, time's better. So they go into this little hole which is, you know, no more than a meter or so away and they'll rest up in there. And then guaranteed that next night you'll see them back out staring at the exact same tree in the exact same spot. <laughs> so so they're, you know, they're creatures of habit. And I, you know, when you're trekking around in the jungle, I can get behind that. If I'm going to go trekking, <laughs> I'd you know I'd get up, make life easy. The, yeah, I'd cruise down, cruise down to the Little River have a look oh there it is exactly where it was
4: yesterday half the time i didn't even need the radio telemetry (laughs) kit well this is this is a thing yeah what time were you guys getting up like uh, mid-afternoon doesn't really matter (laughs) (laughs) that's the poor king team king team we were out at half six get there for half six tracking another three times during the day you turn up your snakes 1.2 kilometers down the down in the forest (laughs) all right this will be a long day. I hour in, hour out. <laughs> i used to oh, hear hear guys leave. I'd
5: hear all the motorbikes firing up. It was a real inconvenience.
0: Yeah,
2: you had to wake <laughs> so up. Sorry, we then, yeah. then you had to go back, like, back to is, sleep. Is, That's horrible. What, yeah. What
0: is that sound?
5: Yeah. But yeah, and we we did get up later, and I you know I don't I don't refute that. Um, But we were up later as well, because we obviously were doing the nighttime surveys. And also, I was drinking... an does on which snake I was on, though.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's probably... That is fair to to say. There were some cruel snakes out there that moved at night. This diurnal king cobra that moves at night. Oh,
2: yeah. (laughs) Thanks. 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 you. Stay put,
0: goddammit.
5: Mate, I I can completely relate. Occasionally, one of the pit vipers would move over 20 meters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: it's at a different tree. My God! <laughs> you know.
4: I mean, wasn't wasn't one of the biggest moves the pit vipers did the time it got eaten by a king and and went off down the clong and
0: out the study area? Right.
4: Right.
5: I do not want to get into whose snake is better than whose snake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We no. did not know whether or not that was a king cobra. It could have just as easily been a crate. All right. <laughs> it been, yeah, it could have been a crate.
0: <laughs>
5: yeah, but well, so that was a funny story. I've actually told that story on our podcast. But um, yeah, so me and Kurt were tracking a snake, and uh, we were like, I was, you know, I was in the, you know, po- poking my uh, radio telemetry kit at the tree where it was the day before, and I was like, Kurt, I think it's moved. And like, go, oh, come on, you can't be serious. Uh, no, you so then, eventually, turn the kit on, right? yeah so then we we end up tracking the snake and it had moved like over 100 meters we couldn't believe it we were like this is great like this is going to be awesome what's it going to be doing and uh and we get to this little kind of clearing and there's like it's like a little orchard um and uh we're looking around we can't find it the signal's really weird it's like bouncing around anyway uh after about 15 minutes of searching kurt zeroes in on this little hole in the ground we're like what Anyway, we look in there, and what should we find? But a tiny, perfectly formed, unmistakable snake poo with a little radio transmitter sticking out.
0: It's
5: <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, that, that was my favourite snake as well. She was called cool, Blue. She was super cool. She had this like weird sort of colour mutation, but you know, she just had this like blue neck, and yeah, she was just a really awesome snake. And uh, yeah, eaten too soon, unfortunately. But we don't know <laughs> if it was a king cobra or not. <laughs> we so refuse nice. to find out. Yeah, so yeah,
2: okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome.
6: Yeah. So,
2: what research are you guys doing now? Like, are you guys involved in any research projects currently?
5: Yeah, oh boy. yeah, we
4: we yeah. both are. Yeah, um, Ben, you you, do you want to go first? Um yeah, well I'll 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 try and segue into sort of what I did after the after the king cobra yeah. tracking. Yeah, jumped over to. To a banger, basically, Tom and I came up with a huge over over the top proposal to try and track uh, adders. And uh, although it got the interest of some people, basically, there wasn't the money to do it. Um, so, it was fun though, wasn't so, it? Because we, we oh, kind of went, to, yeah. Is it super bad when they're like, We're going to interview as a team? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the term is unorthodox. That's what we were told. Unorthodox, but okay, carry on. Yeah, so, that is it. No, so basically that fell through, but I did a, did a bit of research at Bangor for my for my master's that was looking at um, oh, we talked about it on the on the podcast in fact, uh, the vulnerability of Malagasy species to the newly introduced uh, combination toad, sort of cane toad v2 sort of situation, as it turns out. Um, but after that, came crawling back to Thailand because again, couldn't get a, a PhD anywhere, so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go back there and help out with the guys um, so that's where I am now, and the research is basically headed up as Tom said, headed up by uh, Colin Strine and um, Max Jones, who is his PhD student and Max Jones is basically heading up the King Cobra effort now, looking at the uh, thermal ecology and spatial ecology of the Kings and my role here is basically facilitating any and all research. We've got Oh, we're tracking Burmese pythons out here, we're tracking Boiga cyenia, which are green cat-eyed snakes. Um, the pitfiber stuff has been wrapped up. There's another team on site tracking the true cobras, two species of true cobra. Uh, just had tortoises that have just wrapped up their project as well. But basically the game plan for me is to pull out a lot of the old King Cobra tracking data. I mean, we've been tracking these guys. When did it start? Early 2013. So we've got this backlog of five years plus of data that needs sorting, cleaning, publishing, and, well, a hell of a lot of analysis done to it. So that's my day in, day out, is uh, dealing with that and writing up reports to grant agencies so we keep funded and we can keep things going. But it's a pretty big effort out here we've got a lot of volunteers we've got a lot of a lot of students doing a lot of projects and a lot of interesting things coming out of it and there's always you know side projects going on little little odds and sods uh doing some like well probably quite dry and boring for a lot of people but methodology <laughs> a lot of tests big big methods papers that no one's going to read unless you're actually uh following snakes yourself but there'll be some interesting king cobra stuff coming out real soon so, oh, that's hmm. awesome
0: cool.
1: um, I was going to add well, I have two questions um, one how, how do you go about picking a topic to research is that something that you guys decide or does somebody decide that for you and then what are some of the challenges when you're out in the field tracking a snake that the lay person might not know about hmm. Ooh,
5: uh, uh. well so um, at least in terms of my research, um, it was kind of decided for me because I applied for the PhD and got it. I'll talk about that in a sec. Um, yeah. But uh, Ben, so you know, how do they? I mean, your, the stuff you're doing, Ben, is mostly with regards to kind of
4: conservation efforts, isn't it? So. Um, oh yeah, who, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, how do you come up with research questions, research projects? I mean, I think. The motivation behind king cobras as a study species is certainly mm-hmm. top the way, using them as a flagship. Um, mm-hmm. There is no way you can see a photo of a king cobra or, if you're lucky enough, see one in the flesh and not be completely blown away by, well, they've just their raw presence. They're, you can't yes. get away from that. So the idea is learn about king cobras, learn about their habitat use. Learn about actually what threats they're facing as well. It's one of these species that you think, oh, yeah, king cobras. Everybody should know about those. Uh, everybody knows them, so you presume that there's decent knowledge about them. But it's pretty poor, to be to be blunt. Um, a lot of stuff in Southeast Asia, we're lacking really, really basic natural history stuff out here. Um, so a lot of these questions are pretty fundamental biology questions when are they breeding where are they breeding how many do we have here what habitats are they preferring what's killing them that's a paper that should be coming out in i don't know maybe a month or so time is uh, all the different deaths we've documented over the past four or five years of king cobras and how unbelievably depressing the whole situation is because oh how many have we 14 14 king cobra deaths um, out of our, I don't know, 34, 35 tracks. Um, wow. Half of the. Jesus. Wow. Well, half of the ones tracked have died. All but two of them have had some sort of association with people. Only two natural predations we've seen. Everything else is either roadkill, persecution. We've had a couple eaten. Had a couple. just Yeah mysterious deaths where they've just turned up with blunt force trauma and oh yeah yeah that's um that's going to be human related and all these deaths mm-hmm. are happening outside in the uh, agricultural areas and it's this sort of stuff that no one's i think everybody sort of knows you see videos online of people you know pulling out king cobras in people's homes across india and things and you know king cobra doesn't get off very lightly but to actually have it documented and in relation to where they go and how they use the landscape. I mean, to me, that's a really, really important question. And if you're going to solve and tackle what's killing them, you've got to first work out where the problem's coming from. Um, gotcha. I think a lot of it is people's perceptions of king cobras. Because, mm-hmm. you know... Mm-hmm. Very cool. They're big, big yeah. animals. They're hard to rile up. Yeah, the
5: irony is that cobras as well is that if you read the um the medical documentation for snake bites in places like thailand okay it's it is going to be underreported because they are really really venomous and if you do get bitten and you're in somewhere rural there is a good chance that you may not get a chance to actually you know report that information back but yeah even green pit vipers which are responsible for the vast majority of bites king cobra's being so intelligent and so wily, they are way more inclined to get out of people's way.
4: Um, would you
5: agree, Ben, that they're one of the less dangerous snakes in Thailand, in terms of venomous snakes and people?
4: Yeah, I'd be—I would be amazed um, if you could get a king cobra to bite you. Like you really have to try. You have to try and kill that snake to try to get bitten. Yeah. Really. They. Yeah, I mean just. I mean, we obviously go out for rescue calls to try and get them out of people's homes that they obviously don't want them, you know, hanging around in someone's attic or something. That's that's yeah. fair enough. But the amount of manhandling you need to apply to a kink cobra to get it out of some of these locations. And even still, it's, it's more committed to getting away from you and getting out of there than it is to bite. It doesn't have the same, you know, just... You're gonna get bitten more by rat snakes and stuff. That's got nothing. Yeah, they've got nothing to lose. They've got no venom to use. They don't. They don't care. They'll bite away, and they know it's not gonna to matter too much. The kings are just. No, you really have to try.
2: Um, I mean, I, mm. I know,
4: do, but it's all handlers, or it tends to be a lot of handlers messing around and uh, not treating the kings with the due respect. I mean, they, you know, they can mess you up if they want to. They just tend not what to want to.
2: Mm. Do you think anything like stumbling upon a, uh, a nesting mom might also throw somebody off like that? Or would they rather you just oh. leave their pile alone and once you're a safe distance away,
4: all right, we're good? I will be a, – a, if someone's stumbling across a nest, man, they've got so unbelievably lucky. Or at least round here. in this, in this <laughs> Like I wish we, I was stumbling across a nest. Yeah, wish. Yeah, we find them hard to hard to discover when we've got a radio transmitter in the in the, <laughs>
0: ridiculous,
4: yeah? the most recent one like you you'd walk up to it and you, i can't even see the nest anymore i know it's i know exactly where it is we've got it marked on the g p s but i can't see it that's cool i again, i would be amazed all our females they're not using the agriculture to nest, which is a little bit worrying they're heading back to deep forest they're heading back to although not pristine forest, pretty decent forested areas. Um, yeah. And I also doubt that the density of nests are particularly high, that people are going to come across them. I really feel okay. it, it's, it's the people going after snakes that are going to be the ones that get bit. And even then, I think that's pretty infrequent. Okay. Well, I know it's pretty infrequent certainly by the, by the records. Um I think a lot of the yeah, I mean with God we've you can we've had people. One guy accidentally stood on a king, um, and it did it didn't. He had a faulty transmitter, the the faulty transmitter, faulty receiver. So yeah, absolutely, it was saying you know giving him sort of bad signal, being oh yeah, sounds like he's miles away. He's got absolutely no signal. Next thing he knows, he's put his foot on this. 3.4 I don't know, 3.4 meter adult male. Whoa! Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> it it, it like, hardly reacts. It like shifts it itself didn't a little. not do bit. anything. <laughs> Maybe 1.5 meters away, two meters, and then just stays in the grass. <laughs> and you know the tracker backs off and monitors to make sure he hasn't completely spooked its movements, and it just chills there, and that's yeah. it. You know, huh. it, 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 you really have to push him Really have to push yeah. him and that was a really, like, freak occurrence. That hardly – well, I think that's the only time it's ever happened, that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> wow. I remember oh.
5: hey, I remember the King Cobra release. It was one of the first times I was, like, fully – like, one of the first times I actually sort of not directly interacted with a King Cobra, but I was kind of present when there was one there. And mm. um, when, when, when the guys do a release, they kind of, like, uh, have the King Cobra in a box in a bag and then they take away the bag and then the last thing they lift up the box. So the King Cobra's just kind of left out on the floor and um, everyone kind of stepped back and the King Cobra was just sat there and it was just hooding and it was just literally look, looking around at each and every one of us just, like, taking in the situation. And this thing was like, you could just see its mind working. It was just there watching us. We were watching it and it stayed like that for 10 minutes. It wouldn't move off. It was just watching us, watching us. Watching us. And, uh, yeah, if you ever needed evidence that that snake's, like, not only intelligent, but also, like, completely non-violent, that was probably the best example I could think of. And once people started tapping its tail, it then sort of scurried off. But, um, yeah, just an incredible beast. And this thing hooding, you know, it's it's four feet off the ground with its hood. Uh, Jesus. Jesus. Wow. It really makes makes an impression on you, like, really. That's almost as tall as (laughs) me. (laughs)
6: Yeah. Yeah, be wow. staring no, over Eric. It's like, oh no, I can't see Eric.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> yikes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Jesus.
1: Um, well, Tom, tell us what you're. Uh, what, what are you working on, research-wise? I kind yeah, of okay, jumped in on. there, and
5: <laughs> no, it's, it's good. So, um, I mean, king Kerber's are pretty sexy. They're kind of cool. You know, that's fine.
4: Um, we can't.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean,
4: we can talk about them if you
0: want some.
5: That's fine. Um... <laughs> <We> can, <laughs> I, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us study generic bound colibrids. <laughs> uh, no, um, yeah. So uh, never, ever, ever. No, no never been. So um, yeah. So I'm a PhD student at Bangor University, um, supervised by uh, Wolfgang Worcester and John Mully, and uh, yeah. So at the university where me and Ben spent a lot of our time hanging out. And the research focus for me is um, the Escalapian snake, which is uh, Zaminus longissimus. Right. Um, and it's the UK's only introduced snake species. So um, they're not actually native to the UK. Uh, they were brought here by accident. Um, they've actually been brought here twice. Um, once by London. So there's a population in um well, in Regent's Park in London, sort of on the banks of a canal. <laughs> There's a fair few of them there. Yeah. Uh, so which, uh, yeah, if you're, if you're to believe the news reports, those, those snakes will eat your babies and your children. And then, yeah, probably, <laughs> pro- probably
3: have no, your No, I didn't see them when out. I was
5: there a couple of weeks ago. Damn it. Oh well. <laughs> oh, well, next time you'll have to come and have a look at the population I'm studying. I know. So I'm, studying, I'm studying the ones in Wales. So I actually live in Wales, okay. uh, right on the, right the far north tip of Wales. And, uh, yeah, there's a population which originated from the Welsh Mountain Zoo. It's in a place called Colwyn Bay. Um, so this is, like, right on the coast. It's kind of, um, well, it's, it's really close to, like, all the mountains in Snowdonia of north Wales. Quite an extreme, like, harsh climate, loads of rain. Um, weirdly, it's got a north-facing aspect, but um, one or maybe more, maybe a few of these snakes Escaped from the zoo in the 1960s. Um, the guy who originated the zoo was actually a reptile importer as well. Um, so he's the father of the guy who is now a guy called Nick Jackson, who is um, a partner on my PhD. And uh, yeah, so at some stage, one or more snakes got out from his um, import facility. Uh, and then the story is it was one female. She she got out, laid her eggs, and then subsequently over the last almost 60 years, they've kind of been interbreeding area um most of their range seems to be still within the grounds of the zoo itself so um yeah there's some pretty bizarre encounters for these snakes which are originally from they're originally originally they're from europe but now they're interacting with tigers and ostriches and all sorts of <laughs> mad stuff like that but, <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah there's a yeah, <laughs> uh, oh, just like no intended <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like uh,
2: such interesting topics for papers, how do they interact with tigers? Let's figure yeah, it out that's
5: it, yeah, yeah, I yeah, that would make a good short note, like yeah, yeah. they lose against, they lose against tigers <laughs> obviously they lose against tigers enrichment yeah. <laughs> for
0: tigers,
2: great, yeah, that's it um, but,
5: but, um, oh my God but, <laughs> There's also stories about them, you know, coming across a marmoset and, like, having a face-off with a marmoset and stuff like that. Um, But for the most part, they do kind of tend to keep themselves to themselves, I think. And, um, yeah, so the focus of my PhD, obviously, invasive species are and will remain a really hot topic. Um, You know, you've got – talk about threats to biodiversity, you know, climate change, like human modification, habitat destruction. And uh, depending on, you know, your perspective, invasive species are kind of third in that sort of list of horrors. So, um, yeah, this species being introduced and non-native, it's not yet uh, an invasive species because there isn't any evidence of them um, causing declines in native species or really uh, radiating too much. Um, but, yeah, the focus of my PhD right. is just to kind of use this as an opportunity to study um, a species introduction, which is in many ways in its infancy. Um, so I'm doing things like uh, a big mark capture study to work out, you know, the demographics of this population: how many males, how many females? What's their sort of uh, juvenile recruitment like? Um, how big is the population in general? Uh, what's their survival year to year? Um, and then we're also doing some cool stuff with um, the genetic variability of the population because. Um, right. Another. Have you found evidence for
3: whether it really was one
5: female? Or? Well, so at the minute we're just because uh, I just finished my first year, my second year started like last week. So we're kind of in the planning stages. I've been collecting a lot of tissue samples and um, we're going to do some work on the kind of genetic variability um, in terms of evidence for inbreeding. Um, one thing which is interesting about the population is that there are some scale abnormalities. Um, so uh, sometimes the ventral scales are split or things like that. And um, okay. there's evidence. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a really cool paper, um, on dice snakes, I believe in which were introduced to lakes in switzerland i 'm pretty sure i 've got that information right um, and the, yeah, they had because they had a really like low genetic founding stock, they had similar things where they had these strange scale abnormalities and largely to do with ventral scales as well, which is what we see in this in the escalapian snakes um, okay. yeah oh yeah, I should probably talk a little bit about the actual species of escalapian snake, so it's okay. sure like yeah. I say it's a, it's a colubrid um. They're, they are, well, they're brown, but they're they're really beautiful brown. Uh, they're kind of yellow underneath. <laughs> they've, got, like, they've got white flecks along the top. And um, in their native range, they get to be about two meters long. Uh, but we see them getting to about 0. 0.3, 1.4 meters. So they do tend to be a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're an awesome species of snake. Like, you know, really powerful, constricting colubrid, Um really weirdly disproportionate bodies compared to any other snake I've seen. They have these tiny heads and then these big, thick, muscular bodies. They almost look, if you catch an adult male, it almost looks like a really, really fat corn snake um, and a giant corn snake Mm. as well, uh, (laughs) which is quite unusual. Um, But yeah, so yeah, the project is going on with this species, their genetic variability. And then also uh, starting this summer, we're going to be doing some radio telemetry, very similar to what Ben's doing out in Thailand their habitat selection, uh, spatial ecology, so, you know, movement distances, how big their home range, and um, what habitat features are specifically allowing them to survive in a novel environment, because North Wales, as compared to Italy or, you know, Georgia or somewhere else these snakes sure. would be found, is um, kind of inhospitable in many ways. So, we're going yeah, to look at what it is that's allowing them to survive. And obviously the zoo itself has some kind of unusual features in that there's Heated reptile houses right. and there's those piles and stuff like that, and we're hoping to find out whether or not they're entirely reliant on those things, or whether or not you know that's just a boost, or whether they're not using those things at all. So, yeah, it's, um, sure. It's, it's been it's been a really fun project. Yeah, that's Very really cool. cool. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Sorry.
3: No, no, that that was it. No, I, that, I'm glad to hear it. This is super interesting. So yeah, I wish, uh, or I'm glad to hear it in this context because. As you said, you guys don't really
5: get a chance to talk about it on your show, but it's super interesting. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. No, it's nice. To, it's good to have a, an outlet to talk about our own stuff, yeah.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, I know you, you guys kind of hit on it a little bit, but, like, what are some of the challenges that you face when you're out there in the field, you know,
5: trying to track these snakes? Um, mosquitoes would be one. So vipers. <laughs> love water In- Ooh. interesting interesting so, yeah. um after about four months i became immune to mosquitoes and uh yeah I stopped noticing just, yeah really? i just remember watching yeah just like see one yeah. land on your arm casually watch it and uh yeah it just bites you your body doesn't react anymore which is kind of a weird feeling
4: <laughs> is my body broken <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> no it's more like it's more yeah. like a superpower Really? Uh- <laughs> yeah, maybe,
1: you're right. Us mere <laughs> mortals would never survive out there in the jungle.
5: <laughs> oh, uh, no, very for cool. the first few months, it was it was bad, though. I mean, just getting bitten on the face, because your face is the only thing that's uncovered. So, yeah, mm-hmm. they just get swarm swarm on the face. And where pit vipers hang out, I mean, a lot of what, what me and Kurt were doing was um, surveying, just trying to catch new snakes, because uh, we were only radio tracking a few. And so, yeah, we were just hanging out in these, like, swampy places, uh, late at night, and yeah, there's just mosquitoes everywhere. Um, but, wow. Uh, yeah. yeah, More than made no, 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 up by think. the fascinating snakes.
1: N- now, are you guys out there and in I the field? I at the zoo, like... you
3: got to avoid the popcorn vendor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's
5: a challenge, right? At the zoo? <laughs> yeah, the popcorn, for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. The zoo is a much more hospitable <laughs> environment to study. I'm surrounded by, like, nice people. Yeah, the the zookeepers are always catching snakes for me. I couldn't ask for more. It's actually yeah. It's...
3: So you just gotta avoid the the sweet vendors, right? That's the trouble. That's that's the difficulty at the zoo is you gotta avoid uh, getting suckered in.
5: Uh, I always fail to avoid the ice cream shop where I go pretty much after every sale. Me and me, me and uh, I got a master student who works with me called Dev, and yeah, we're suckers for the ice cream, so like, we go there a lot. Ah uh, yes,
1: I would be a sucker for that as well.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just pure pure coincidence that most. Uh... Most snakes just happen to be in that area. That's where all the captures happen, right? Next to <laughs> next to anything that's dispensing ice cream or, or cold drink. Smart snake.
2: It's an intelligent yeah. animal, right there. So yeah, <laughs> right.
3: yeah.
6: Cool. No, I think. Um,
3: uh, I think sorry, a, Eric, what were you going to say?
4: Yeah, no, I was oh, gonna go say, just just go back ahead, in time. Then. I think the the top uh, top billing for dealing with fieldwork stuff is actually the transport hundred mm-hmm. percent snake's not a problem walking through the forest, yeah, yeah, you can deal with that you in nature it's it's brilliant um but uh driving on on uh on a highway on a rickety moped, yep that's uh <laughs> way riskier people always whenever you you come back home you say yeah what's okay, so what do you do? Oh, I work with king cobras and they freak out, wow oh, venomous snake what uh what how are you doing yeah No, that's not the scary bit. Not, not at all. (laughs) Kinko any Day riding a moped. That's the scary bit. Uh, Oh
5: boy! It is important to note that riding a moped is disproportionately dangerous for Ben than it is for other people.
4: (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe, perhaps, but (laughs) those roads are dangerous, whoever you are. (laughs) Taking moped off road through the forest to find a king. You're asking for trouble. I'll never
5: forget, after one of the many times you'd come off the moped and um, you're missing quite a lot of skin on your arm. And uh, me and you went to Bangkok for a weekend just to, like, take off and have a little chill. Um, Maybe do a visa run or something. I I can't remember what the purpose of the the trip was. But I vividly remember sitting in that hostel room with you, changing your dress in the
0: the room. man, I was just like, more,
5: more pus than I've ever seen before or since. And I was just like, mate. Holy hell, what did you do? Oh,
4: well, you know, it just came off the moped. That's. Oh,
0: yeah, that's bad. Yeah, you know, just just one of those
4: things. Yeah. Uh, It was just just sort of road rash like stuff down down arm, leg, side, face, body, chin. Yeah, Yeah. hands. You know, it's all good. Everything everything works. There's no broken bones. It's It's just a flesh wound. (laughs) <laughs> you
2: were this close to becoming a Batman villain, is what you're telling me,
0: right? <laughs>
4: so, oh, but what a cool origin story! Yeah, I know, right?
0: <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> um, so let's, you know, I guess let's, Rob, you want to get into the podcast part of it? Like, what, what motivated yeah. you guys to start the podcast?
3: Well, yeah. Yeah, how about you do – play a clip or two first. So do that Monsters and Dragons one, and then let's do the Constriction one just because I think that's something that, you know, I certainly hope people are going to go, you know, check out all of your episodes. I mean, you guys have – Oh, that's going to blow their mind. To check out.
6: Yeah. yeah,
3: but you got to – I think we need to put that out here just so people hear it. It's going right, okay. to blow my mind for sure.
2: Time yeah. to listen to yourselves what? again. So. Oh, when I heard oh, this, I'm you brain brain know.
3: Oh, man. <laughs>
1: it was very <laughs> –
5: the genus name is sunskin, um interestingly, I actually had a conversation like bizarrely two nights ago with a taxi driver um he was like <laughs> he was like a language aficionado, and he was telling me about sunflowers and how he remembers the name of them By Hel- yeah, because their whole genus is Heliantheus, yeah, which is like sun, so they're sunflowers so then as soon as I saw Heloderma, I was like, oh yeah, yeah sun." guys cool. <laughs> um, and su- suspectum is actually Latin for mistrust so they're sun skin lizards who can't be trusted they, they just go crazy for water it's like some, a stereotypical behaviour where if you put water in front of them they'll just guzzle it down and um, they apparently can drink up to a fifth of their body water in one sitting of their body weight in water in one sitting sorry um, which
4: that's a lot of water I mean
5: that's I, I did a little bit of maths, and, and as it turns, <laughs> yeah, I know, one time only. <laughs> and as it turns out, that's like me drinking fourteen litres of water in
4: one go. Yeah, see, that would cause proper problems. Yeah, you If you die. did that, that would be you yeah, <laughs> over. You're, you're that's not like going to be in a good state. Seven large bottles of fizzy drink. Well, I think the fizziness would. Would do all sorts of numbers on you. <laughs> <just> <laughs> the water intake, yeah. yeah.
5: Yeah. But just to clarify, these hila monsters are just drinking water. They don't like fizzy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Maybe yeah.
4: they go mad for
5: it. But they also need a remarkably low amount of energy to get by for a whole year. So yes. So, so their measurement was a mean of three thousand seven hundred and sixty-six kilojoules of energy for a year. Right. Yeah. I mean that's. I, I went into my fridge, which was the first thing I did, and I, <laughs> I picked up some butter, and I looked at it, and that's 125 grams of butter
4: mm.
5: that would run a Gila monster for a year. Yeah. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. That would
4: run... They'd love to get their hands on that butter, yeah. they'd gorge themselves on it. They
5: would, they'd binge butter, almost <laughs> certainly. But like, that's absolutely mad. Mm. That would run a human
4: for, what, a couple of hours? Gila monster for a year. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, it, it's just in a totally different league of efficiency. It's, it's quite remarkable. To be envenomated by a Helium Monster, that thing has really got to get on you and get on you good because they don't have a particularly efficient delivery system. They're not like um, an Elapid or, or some sort of snake that has a very refined you know, bang for buck. You, yeah, they venom in, job done. Yeah, they don't have they the sort same. of gnaw on you, and it might take up to 15 minutes of being gnawed on for a venom to actually be delivered into your body. Which, you know, when you think about it, you think you've got oh man, you can't get this lizard off you for 15 minutes. That's. I mean, we've all been not there, though. You're, off, you're you?
5: working, you're moving some rubble. A lizard bites your arm. You think, ah, oh, I'll sort that out within 15 minutes.
4: Yeah, I'll just finish this job.
5: Crack <laughs> on. <laughs> have a cup
4: of tea.
1: We'll comment on that clip in a minute, but we're going to play the uh, boa
5: constriction uh, uh, clip real quick in between here. Uh, This one was published in 2015, and it's entitled Snake Constriction Rapidly Induces Circulatory Arrest in Rats. It's from the Journal of Experimental Biology, which uh, happens to be an open access journal, which is mighty handy. You mean
4: the best type of journal?
5: Yeah. Yes. Or, as the case may be, as the episode wears on, some cases, not the best type of channel. little spoiler alert. Ben doesn't know what I'm talking about. No one knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm mysterious. (laughs) I'm feeling mysterious. So, um, the general idea behind the writing of this paper was that snakes might actually not kill their prey by suffocation, which is... Mm. I mean, I've got loads of textbooks here from when I was a kid. Every single one of them, it says, snakes kill their prey constrictors at least, kill their prey by suffocation. Yes,
4: that's what's interesting with this paper, is it digs into exactly what's killing the prey as opposed to what you just assume is killing the prey. Yeah. And it's not even a, a new idea that it's not suffocation. I think initial mentions of this were back in uh, the early 20th century, it's, it's, although it's only just been investigated as thoroughly as it needed to be. How on earth do you measure what the heart is doing inside a creature being consumed by a boa? Well, I can tell you, actually. Um, (laughs) I was hoping you uh, (laughs) would. Well, I'm glad you asked. The
5: way they measure it is actually an ECG, which is the same as what they use for a human. Which is an
4: electrocardiogram. See, when I was reading this paper, ECG came up oh, I was like, I recognise that. That's an acronym I, I recognise. And there was another one that came up that wasn't even explained, called QRS.
0: What on Mate, earth is me,
4: QRS? It took me ages to work out QRS. Yeah, because it's just,
5: you know, assumed you know what it is. They actually measured four things. The first was the ECG to see the rhythm and electric signals of the heart, to see if they were normal. The second... They measured the pressure the snake was exerting by putting a hydraulic pressure probe on the rat so they could actually see how hard the rat was being squeezed. And thirdly, they took the pressure in the rodent's veins using a catheter so they could just tell how much pressure the blood was under. And the fourth thing they did was that they analysed the chemistry of the blood so they could actually Mm. see what was being put into the blood which the rat was circulating around its body, and whether the levels of different compounds were normal.
4: How the blood chemistry changed under extreme pressure.
5: Bow constrictors actually have four rows on top and two on the bottom. Um, The bottom rows are on the lower jaw, same as us, the mandible, but the upper rows, of which there are four, there's two on the maxilla, which is the normal upper jaw, like we have, But they also have two rows of teeth on bones that make up the palate, which is like the rest of the inside of the mouth, basically like the bit that joins your mouth to your head in the inside. Yeah. That makes sense. That does make sense. Um, One of those bones is actually the bone which makes up the floor of their nasal cavity. Mm -hmm. You can kind of imagine that bit at the back of your mouth. Just layered with teeth. Just layered with teeth. That's what boas are working with. It
4: conjures an image of a shark's mouth.
5: Yes. And they are similar to sharks in that their teeth are constantly replaced.
4: I see that's pretty useful. Yeah, because... I, As long as that's not painful, I could go for that. <laughs> new teeth. Well, yeah, keep them fresh.
5: Yeah, it would be it's a pain to brush your teeth, actually. It'd be yeah. nice
4: to... Just get some new ones in at the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> peak peak constriction, as they termed it, occurred six seconds after biting the prey. You're Strolling along, minding you your own time, bam, you've been hit by a snake, six seconds later. Yeah. <laughs> you've got this, this this thing wrapped around you causing massive, as we'll, we'll find out massive changes to your blood chemistry to the pressures, to your part to just the way your body's functioning
5: six seconds that is incredibly brutal you mentioned that, six seconds within six seconds the blood pressure in the central body cavity was six times higher than what it was mm. prior to the strike while the blood, the blood pressure in the extremity is dropped by a half.
4: And that's really key, because if you don't have the periphery higher than your core blood pressure, essentially your blood can't move properly and efficiently around your system. It completely disrupts the circulation of your blood. That's pretty key. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
5: So we need blood. Need blood. Yeah. No animal that has blood... I mean, I don't know can do about. without it yeah, I, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think quite that's safe disastrous. to say <laughs> yeah.
5: I mean, you know I don't know all the animals and all the blood but I'm going to go out on a limb and say if you've got blood you it's need the blood probably quite important your blood might be blue I don't know what kind of freaky weird invertebrate creature you are but you need your blood to keep hold of it the second I mean, there's a few things of which these rats are going through which I do not Not
4: that ever experienced. Yeah, I uh, I, I don't envy them. Increase in central blood pressure paired with a halving of peripheral blood pressure. We then have a big drop in heart rate in the first 30 seconds. I had, apart from a few rats that happened to have an increase in heart rate, and then rapidly caught up with the other rats that, you know, just declined straight away. So it seems like heart rate is not as big a deal. But some rats might have got lucky and panicked. I, I don't know what caused that yeah. boost in heart rate, but it didn't help.
5: Yeah, the the the, the average ha- heart rate of the rats was less than half its normal rate within 60 seconds. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty serious. Across
4: the board, too. That's every rat.
5: And so, towards the end of constriction, rat extremity blood pressure was really low. It was a third of its former level. Heart rate was a quarter. Central blood pressure was only just over one-sixth its original level so that which had originally completely exploded was now down because the heart's just not working anymore yeah
4: everything's yeah everything's shot at this point yeah (laughs) the
5: ECG also showed that in 91% of their rats the cardiac electrical system had completely malfunctioned
4: well exactly Basically, everything they measured became either arrhythmic, abnormal, or completely broken within that minute. It was just a complete destruction of the <laughs> cardiac system. It was, I mean, it sounds horrific if you were the rat, but it's phenomenal from the snake's perspective. It's, I mean, talk about overkill. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah. And, but wait, there's even more. Oh, yeah, there is more. Because really? you only talk about the blood chemistry yeah, the going blood chemistry.
5: completely to show. <laughs> so, shock. I've not heard of this term before. Hyperkalemic which Mm. means that the serum potassium levels are high. And in this case, they were nearly doubled, um, which, believe it or not, if you've got wrong potassium levels in your blood, guess what it does to you? It kills you real fast. But do you know why? It disrupts the normal function of the heart. (laughs) Exactly. And so you've already got a heart which has basically exploded. Now you've got your potassium levels to worry about, which I thought was interesting. They postulated that... The reason for that is that even if a rat escapes and it catches its breath and its blood pressure starts to go back to normal... It's already done. Yeah, the potassium yeah. level is going to creep back up on it and the snake can simply seek it out later. In one final flurry of just wanton destruction, <laughs> the rats also undergo acidosis, which is where their blood pH changes from 7.4 to 7.0. So it becomes quite significantly more acidic.
4: Acidiosis is what happens to you if you drink methanol. Mmm. It's just this perfect storm of really unpleasant occurrences. Yeah, because methanol is sort of like number one
5: on the things not to drink, isn't it? And yet, here it is. (laughs) The rats are undergoing the same exact same Poor little creatures. Note of stealth do not get eaten by large constrictor. Thankfully, well, I mean... I really hope it doesn't happen.
4: <laughs> seems unlikely. It seems unlikely, yeah. yeah. It does
5: seem unlikely.
4: We, we covered essentially everything there, but there are also little added bits of actual tissue damage occurring because of lack, of lack of oxygen, not because of oxygen levels being depressed in the blood, but more blood not getting to areas. And they think that maybe one of the reasons creatures go unconscious so quickly from constriction is Lack of oxygen reaching the brain and the brain being damaged by that.
1: Man, that just blows my mind. <laughs> <Holy> <laughs> <That's, hell>. uh...
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. <laughs> in, in, in under a minute, it's like, dear God. Well, then, you know, part of me's thinking, why the hell is my snake hold it wrapped around for like five minutes? I'm like, job's done, dude. Now you just overkill.
5: <laughs> yeah. so, like, Jesus. That's yeah, are just killing machines. It's terrible.
2: Yeah, <laughs> apparently.
1: Uh, Holy hell. wow that's my favorite and then uh I was just thinking about eating a stick of butter and how gross that would be for me <laughs> no, that's <correct>. yeah I know <laughs>
0: uh, but oh. uh...
1: That's your that's your your uh, favorite, right, Owen, uh, you know? Butter? But... No. no, not uh, butter. <laughs> <laughs> you got a big butt yeah, in butter cone. <laughs> <it here>. Yeah, butter. He's <laughs> getting at here. He's always oh. taking butter to all the reptile yeah, shows and all. I'm, I'm, like, I do go?
2: <laughs> I, behind my table chewing on a stick of butter. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Gives him nice skin, you know, that whole It deal. does. But, uh, <laughs> wonderful
2: guys. skin I have. Yeah. You know, so that that gives.
1: I mean, I definitely want to. You know, maybe we can jump into that or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I, I'm curious about you know going back to the what motivated you guys to do the podcast.
5: Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. So. Um, I think it was well, your idea, I mean, wasn't it, Tom? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. It was my idea, but it was. Um, yeah, it was only because of your idea. Yeah. I think it actually ended up happening uh so i, I was i was because i was waiting for a phd to begin so i was like living in wales and i was living close to ben yeah, he was doing his masters at the time and um, ben was coming around to my house a lot and we were just like you know playing xbox drinking beers chilling out um and naturally talking about reptiles because <clears throat> that's you know how we met and that's kind of uh, the foundation of our friendship is reptiles and um mm. yeah i mean i was listening to you guys at the time Uh, I mean, I've always listened to podcasts. I used to listen to, you know, Herp in Time Radio, um, Mm -hmm. Reptile Radio, all those old school ones, you know, Vin Russo's podcast. Um, Yep. So I was kind of like all about the podcasts, And, um, yeah, I just thought, you know, it seems as if there could potentially be a little niche as we discussed just like go on. And actually, no, that's not true because um, Justin Julander, who I know is a friend of you guys, was doing Mm -hmm. uh, herpetological discussions, which I also listened to and really enjoyed. Um, I think he was on like a hiatus of about a year, he hadn't come out with an episode Um, And so, yeah, and so um, I just said to Ben, like, you know, we're talking about reptiles I wanted to keep up on my reading, because I wasn't actually kind of doing anything academic at the time I was working in a hotel, and uh, I just wanted to read about snakes, really You know, I wanted an excuse to chat about it, so I mentioned it to you, didn't didn't I, Ben? We kind of just got got Mm. talking about it and, um, yeah, I mean, you immediately, Ben, were just like, yeah, let's do it. And
4: uh very much good at the like, technical side weird... of stuff. Yeah, it might have even been a, like a weird coincidence where I'd like just been looking for some herpetological podcasts with a very specific goal of being like, I just want something that will oh, just read me papers. I, wanna, <laughs> yeah. I want something that I can, like, I, can, I can not use my eyes, but just like learn by osmosis while I'm doing something else. Yeah, Damn, why isn't anybody doing this really specific <laughs> niche thing that's <laughs> just reading the yeah.
5: papers I want to read. So, yeah, it would appeal to literally tens of people.
4: <laughs> yeah. But one of those tens well, of people was me.
5: Yeah, <laughs> and that exactly. meant a lot to me. Yeah. So, then, um yeah, we just kind of uh well, we bought a microphone, didn't we? Um it didn't work. And then we, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. What happened with yeah, that? We had that I can't whole
4: remember. Set up with that? Oh, sending back. <laughs> it <took>
5: all <laughs> that time <laughs> taking
4: out a microphone.
5: Oh yeah, it didn't work. Oh yeah, that's right. And then so initially the first like I don't know how many episodes, um, six, seven maybe, were recorded in my flat and we were both sat together, um, and we used to just mm. you know shoot shoot the shit about whatever it was. Um, yeah, the first few obviously are a bit weird. Uh, we kind of got into our groove after a few I think, um, and yeah we just yeah recorded them and then subsequently after a few episodes. Uh, You left banger, didn't you? And so, um, yeah, ever since then, we've been doing them sort of remotely. And now we're in a position where I did it in Wales and Ben's in Thailand. And we kind of meet up over Skype with separate bits and then splice them together subsequently down the road.
1: Mm.
5: Cool.
1: That's That's awesome. awesome. Well, I'm glad that you guys are reading the papers for me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. I appreciate <laughs> a podcast <that> it. podcast <laughs> that reads you
2: papers, so you started right. one where you read the papers to other people. So uh, yeah, you know, yeah. That didn't really get what you wanted, but whatever. I got it, so it's cool. Yeah.
5: But what's cool about I it mean, is well, that uh, since since we started, there's now yeah. another new one, Squarmates, which has a very similar vein. Um, and I mean, you know, those guys are all extremely knowledgeable themselves. And they're fun to listen to. So yeah, it's kind of cool. Just the. more Coming and then of course there's this new one, um, Reptile and Chill, which is great as well. And I know yeah. you guys went on that podcast. But I listened to that episode. It was Carnage. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Before we start, there, like, watch your language. I'm like, you have not listened to a single episode of NPR, have you? Because I mean, I don't even know. Yeah. So yeah, that was, it was straight up. Yeah. yeah, I met a
5: couple of those guys. I, I actually mean, I met a couple they...
3: of those guys on Sunday,
5: and uh, yeah, they're really, really nice guys. It was really cool. Yeah, they're all awesome. maybe yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, Great. I was just going to say, and I'm sure you'd agree, Tom, that uh, I think uh, from the ground up, folks with the Colubrids got uh, much harsher questions. <laughs> you know, they, they were in that <laughs> little game show, and I was thinking, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, this they, isn't fair,
2: man. for them. I don't care. We won. Uh, <laughs> so. I, I, yeah, I mean, you guys you, – you guys
5: I mean, if you hadn't have got Pythons, it would have been ridiculous. I mean, oh, dear For is- <laughs> sure. So, yeah. I, I was like, well, what are they going to pick here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we would have lost
2: every question. It just okay. No. Yep. Uh, I think,
5: uh, yeah, it would have been embarrassing if you hadn't done well. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Seven years of work would have been all questions. So, yeah. Yeah, Wait a minute. Yeah. I can't listen to you guys
2: anymore. <laughs>
0: well, well, they got every the question. like me. May-
2: they got the one where it's like name all the species of rattlesnake. I'm like,
1: whoa. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> we would have done well. Yeah.
1: Western diamond <no>. back. Western diamond back. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing else.
3: <laughs>
2: okay. I got it. Yeah. No. Well, Very good. Yeah, close.
1: that was brutal. Uh, <laughs> hey, do you want <laughs> to play
3: that Deceptive Snake spit?
1: Deceptive Snake? Sure. All right, what's yeah. on this clip, Rob?
3: The so this is the Iranian viper that you were talking about.
2: Love those. Oh things. yeah, we got to talk about oh, this yeah.
1: this snake. Oh my god, it's
2: the coolest snake like, ever. Oh, all right. My, my all time favorite venomous, and I don't know why. <laughs>
4: oh <So, laughs> <laughs> so, yeah,
2: but
1: uh, deceptive
4: <laughs> snakes. Okay, here we go. Which, if people haven't seen, look up toad headed agama, and look at its its um, I suppose threat display. It's it's you know, deterrence. It's got these crazy skin flaps on the side of its head. It like, it looks like uh, the Predator or something like that from, well, the film Predator. It's absolutely bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. Iran is this is a hotbed for bizarre herpetofauna.
5: Yeah, those agamas are supremely freaky. They just look so strange. I thought it was fake for a long time. That bit coming it out of the side of the fake.
4: head. It looks fake. It looks really fake.
5: It looks like a bearded dragon with two Venus flytraps attached to the side of its face.
4: <laughs> Lizard of nightmares. Yeah, God. Yeah, comes in, has a, it sort of initially lands sort of on the snake's head, it looks like, or something, and it, and it the snake, you know, shifts and the bird backs off, goes out of frame, and then comes back for the, the actual lure and goes through the tail, and was it within 0.2 of a second yeah the snakes reacted and the bird's been taken and then it's then it's all over
5: 0.2 of a second is faster than the blink of an eye an average blink of an eye is 0.3 to 0.4 seconds so these things are fast and that lure is so irresistible to the bird like you said it comes in once thinking oh yeah spider that looks delicious has a little go the snake like you say, shifts it's like sort of a half strike. Yeah, and the, but, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like a full strike, does it? It doesn't. But that freaks the bird out enough that it goes. But then a second bat, a second later, <laughs> all the while the lure is going, and the bird's just like, uh, "Oh, oh, that is a spider!" It goes back in. So yeah. the lure is so tempting that the bird immediately forgets the fact that it dies with death, tries again, and then inevitably gets murdered by the snake.
4: Absolutely amazing.
5: Yeah, really, really cool, and. I was reading in their methods um, in two and a half years they were looking for these snakes and they actually only managed to film one eating once. They got lots of evidence of them doing the luring but only once did they actually manage to film it. Yes. And the re- I mean that, yeah. The researchers were all the while hidden in a tent nearby as well. <laughs> and they looked like uh, another coral snake called Sinomychurus mclelandi. Guess the common name.
4: <laughs> um, something about McClellan's <laughs>
5: coral snake? Yeah, so McClellan's coral snake. Bang. Um, yeah. But then they switch as they get older. It's called an ontogenic color change. So they change as they get older. We talked about this with the um, Komodo dragons.
4: Yes.
5: And they switch their coloration from red with black bands to grey on top with orange sides and begin mimicking the Castos coral snake. So, in short, the Bibron's coal snake begins mimicking McClellan's coalsnake and then, as it gets older, changes its mind and mimics Custo's coalsnake, seemingly because McClellan's coal snakes don't get as big as the Bibron's snakes, so when they get too big to be realistically considered to be a McClellan's coal snake, they switch over and copy the Castos snake.
4: So but what's bizarre, really, or actually might not be the case, but Bibrons and Mcellallen's separated by over a thousand kilometers. it's a long way, isn't it? They're not even like close to being St. Patrick. Yes, which led me down a wonderful rabbit hole, because <laughs> I was like, "Wow, well, that makes no sense. How can they mimic something? They're not even what it's the birds. This doesn't yeah, well, that was my first thing, isn't it? It must just be an animal ranging all over that space, and therefore it can carry the knowledge back and forth. But I wasn't particularly satisfied with that answer because well I thought of it and I wanted something a bit more, <laughs> more thorough than me just being like, Oh yeah, it's probably just birds.
5: Very,
2: very cool. I mean uh, That's awesome. Like <laughs> like I said, that <laughs> snake is just nuts. <laughs> it it,
5: Crazy, yeah. it is
2: my favorite venomous just because of first off how it looks and then how it does the luring in, it's just like, like you said, where it's like apparently so damn tempting that this bird will forget everything else around it, like cameras, tent, researchers, the fact that it (laughs) nearly died once. It's like, yeah, all right. So
0: that's (laughs) awesome. Yeah,
5: I think if we've learned anything from these uh, interactions birds and snakes, well, birds and reptiles with the alligators and the storks. Birds really hmm. need to work on their impulse control.
0: Who's <laughs> 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 stick?
5: <It's> no, stupid! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spider! Oh, snake! <stick>. Spider! <laughs> like, come on! You had every chance to survive, but you didn't.
2: This is Darwinism in, like, full-blown form. You guys <laughs> really, really aren't smart enough to survive. So yeah. that's I think, awesome. uh, I
5: think the, dream, the dream for us is that someone do some really in depth ecological studies on that spider tailed pit, vi- spider viper. And uh, yeah, we can cover it in full on the podcast. That would be awesome.
4: That's nice. That'd right. be marvelous. Yeah. So, yeah. bit of spatial ecology in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right.
2: Or lack thereof. What are, <laughs> what are some of the pleasantries as well as difficulties that you guys have kind of discovered with doing a podcast? Hmm.
0: hmm.
5: Pleasantries. Um, I don't know. I just I'm always just really excited whenever someone gets in touch with us and says that they've enjoyed mm-hmm. something or, you know, we often get well, often, you know, we get the odd email from people who say, you know, this has spurred me on to do some more research on this, or we quite often get people who are actually um, invest themselves get in touch often to correct us when we make mistakes because we do <laughs> a lot.
4: Um, yeah. But, that's... Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah that, I think that's it for me. Is It's getting in touch with the guys on the ground doing the research. That is such an incredible highlight for me because it's, you know, talk about from the horse's mouth. That's amazing. You've got mm-hmm. these guys doing the research. Everybody's all in the same boat. We're all working towards the same eventual goal of protecting a fauna. And, uh, You've you basically in an instant you've gone from talking about this paper that you've just sort of read and tried to understand to talking about the person, talking to the person who wrote it or someone who is currently working on other stuff. And that like fast access to experts,
2: mm. yeah, that's,
4: yeah, that's second to none. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So
5: often people get in touch and they're like, oh, I heard you covered this. You know, that was cool. I actually, you know, worked with that researcher. I was actually doing the fieldwork, and you get such fascinating insights like that things which just you know little tidbits of information that wouldn't make it to publication that you know you just got a front seat too which is which is great and the other thing it's made me realize is that just like everyone who's interested in reptiles will be your friend if you also like reptiles so <laughs> it's, like, it's, 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 it's like this tiny world I mean like you know a few years ago, I was listening to you guys or a podcast and now I, I know all these people um you know and and through through research you know I met Mark Shea recently who when I was a kid I was and you know i just met him and what did we do we
0: just
5: cool. sat there and talked about reptiles like it was nothing um that's awesome yeah it's, it's just great like it's such a small world it's such a, it's a pleasure to be a part of it and so it's, it's really nice to you know be putting something out which we're getting good feedback on as well mm. very cool
0: yeah I, I,
2: I'd, yeah, have, I'd have Mark O'Shea sign my rough scale python. So I just, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
5: You're going to have to tattoo it. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, that'll that won't hurt him at all. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, he can sign
1: your tattoo, Owen, of your rough scale you python go. on your shoulder. You can, there you there go. You See? can get it tattooed right I on there. I can
2: get the pain. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that won't be a weird conversation <laughs> to have with Mark O'Shea at all. <laughs>
4: So, can you sign
3: this, and I'll get it tattooed over?
4: Yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, I thought you were just making him do it. that tattoo. Exactly. There you go. Even better.
2: Let's see how horrible <laughs> we can get this, so he'll never come on the podcast. Yeah. Uh,
4: so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my
0: God.
2: that's
5: awful. Awesome. I think it's, if you're going to get anyone to sign your body, it's important to build up a rapport first. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think so. <laughs>
0: that's
2: yeah. 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 definitely. So that was a pl- flip. Of course, not even looking. so. Those are the pleasantries. Have you guys kind of felt with like any kind of difficulty? Because I know with us when we first started, the difficulty was the being the consistent, and you know that was something that you know we had to have. Don't say apparently. Point. I okay. That
0: was that was somebody that was hard.
2: somebody, that was somebody my slave driver really really wanted mm-hmm. was consistency, and he hammered yeah. that point home. So, I mean, has there been anything kind of like that where you guys kind of really had to struggle a little bit?
4: I mean, it's, yeah, logistics is, is top billing. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here talking to you guys. I'm using 4G on my phone. So I'm a hotspot in a uh, not fantastic room for this with nighttime <laughs> noises in the background. So certainly, you know, power could drop out any second. That's always a, the fear in your back of your mind or, you know, whatever internet goes down it's 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 always a worry and trying to juggle that with quite a busy schedule and the time zone uh time difference, yeah, mm-hmm. that gets a little bit awkward. um I think our two weeks gives us a little bit of a buffer, but yeah, yeah that's 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 top difficulty yeah yeah,
5: saying that though we are also actually overdue a podcast as we speak, we're actually a bit behind, aren't we because I just moved house, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well that was another big logistical thing. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm actually sat in the upstairs bedroom of a friend of mine's house because I don't have my own internet connection anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh my
4: gosh. Yeah. There you go. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah, I noticed it was late. I wasn't sure if you guys were, you know, counting this one as an appearance or, you know, as a as a You, you could,
4: a, I mean whatever
2: just we, we'll, we'll let you so <laughs> we might have to do we might have to do two
5: back-to-back later on in the week we've got one we've got one kind of semi-prepared i think so yeah we'll just we've have, got we've got two semi-prepared oh have we okay what's the <laughs> Yeah, <point? laughs> we got this don't worry about it yeah okay. you can see who the slave like driver is in our relationship <laughs> yeah yeah
2: this is a familiar <laughs> yeah. conversation a nice you show. know we have a show no, yes yeah. what yes <laughs> yeah
5: I do the. I turn. I turn up and I do the social media kind of logistics.
0: <laughs>
5: uh, nice. Do
1: you have a favorite show? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, hmm. All right.
5: <laughs> favorite. Do you have a favorite
1: like, Ben?
3: Well, how about you play that? The play the frog noise thing so they you give yeah. them a little time to think.
1: about Let it. them think. Yeah. Uh, okay. Ponder <laughs> on that while we listen
5: to. The frog.
4: Get another
5: boy. clip. I guess the closest group we could put them all in would be habitats,
4: habitats, and space is how I would yeah. group them. Yeah.
5: But space in the sense of like the use of space on the on the earth.
4: Oh yeah, not space. Mates.
5: <laughs> yeah, not like aeronautical space animals. Haven't got that far yet. Chinese dragons. <laughs> yeah, Yeah they drove boats over the fish and these fish use uh, sounds as a means of gathering together during their breeding season. So basically they all make a noise and it attracts them all to come to one place and spawn. Um, And when they flew boats, when they flew, when they drove boats, what do you call it when you're driving? Is it driving a boat? Well, it would be sailing. Sailing, but but with an engine. Because otherwise a sailing boat would be silent and would kind of ruin the point of their noise study. Probably drive a boat. Yeah, they drove the boats. Anyway, they drove the boat over these fish.
0: <laughs> they drove the <a> boat?
4: <laughs>
2: drove the boat over the fish, yeah.
4: it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't sound right. Nah. I it
2: doesn't make any sense. It, 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 well, it, if it's got a motor, I think you drive the boat. If it's got a sail, you sail the boat. If it's got wow. an oar, you row the boat. So
0: yeah. uh, I've now just figured all this yeah. out. Yeah, done. Where were you? Where we needed to. <laughs> I was here. <laughs> I <didn't... laughs>
2: Call me whenever. I'm fine with it.
5: So
0: yeah. Yeah.
5: <laughs> um, yeah. So your favorite episode? I've got two. I think Um one is slimy salamander sociality, which was like episode sixteen. Um, mm-hmm. I I like that one because um salamanders just steal genes from all over the place. They're like these terrible little slimy monsters. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. And making systems of salamanders are impossible to comprehend. That was really cool. And I think what made that one fun is that prior to reading about it, me and Ben literally didn't know anything about it. Um, so we kind of went yeah, I was away so blind that episode. Yeah. We went away, we did our reading, we came back and I was like, mate, did you know that salamanders can steal genes from other salamanders that are the same species and make like super salamanders? And he was just like yeah, what is going on? And so that made for a <laughs> fun episode. Um, wow. Yeah. And the other one was uh Sicilians. The recent Sicilian we did was like three or four episodes ago, I think. Um mm. for for similar reasons in that Sicilians were just these kind of mysterious underground, worny, sharky, amphibian monstrosities that were a complete mystery to me and seemingly the scientific community as well in many ways. Um so yeah, just learning more about those and chatting about that was wicked
4: cool yeah I think mine would be the uh, Anoli slash Anolis episode. we had that paper that basically flipped the table on um, Anolis territoriality teritori- by looking at the gene flow and their use of space that just ah abs- oh, man that yeah. that paper just alone dude if I could one day do a study that comprehensive and that fundamentally brilliant uh-huh. um, I'd, I'd die a yeah. happy man that would just be pure <laughs> pure gold <laughs>
0: Yeah. So I think that just yeah, sticks
4: that... with me because I was just so blown away by the. I just wanted to talk about every single little aspect of that thing. It's so exciting.
5: Yeah. That's the sexual selection one that was just completely bonkers with the female yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pulling all the strings. Yeah, that really changed my perspective on a lot of mating systems. It really blew it open a lot. I, I really like that. Well, exactly. Too.
4: Then you start second guessing everything, don't you? It's like all these basic natural history things you yeah. take for red. Oh, if you haven't yeah. looked at it in enough detail from enough different angles, ah, you could just be peddling lies. Who knows? Yeah,
5: and and all the examples they use in that paper of like mating systems which had been, you know, really widely believed to be true, like the, you know, like deer having harems and stuff like that, and then and pigeons, the as well. Even pigeons like, yeah, and having all these like you know, really stone fundamental ecological mating systems that everyone believes and has been in textbooks for hundreds of years, and then it turns out that the female deer are all cheating on their partners and the pigeons are going off and have extra
4: affairs <laughs> all over the place. It's like, what's yeah. going
5: on, nature? Like, it's nothing sacred yeah. anymore. Yeah.
4: I thought we understood it. <laughs> <laughs> that was our first does. mistake.
5: That was our first Apparently mistake. I think we understood anything.
4: Yeah.
5: Huh.
3: <laughs> right on. Well, um, another thing kind of along the same vein, and I want to give you some time to think. So we have one more clip that we'll play, but while we're thinking about that, I wanted to ask, uh, which of you, if, if either, designed the artwork that accompanies each each one? And if you have any favorite favorites out of those, you have so many at this point. Ooh. well, that's, oh.
4: that's me in charge of yeah. sorting that I, stuff I'm, out.
5: Ben's in charge of all the art. Like Ben is the incredibly talented one of the two. I can't even draw a stick man, so um, yeah. Ben suggests you make less.
4: Unless you just need one. One line for a snake, maybe a, another two for the trunk sticking out. So, really, they're easier than stick men. Be all right. yeah.
5: yeah, no, so, um, yeah, I think, yeah, you just had the idea to start drawing uh, kind of like cartoony figures for the episodes and for kind of like merchandise yeah. and stuff. And it just went When I get the, a bit and, of yeah, time, so I can it, do
4: one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right on. Favorite one's got to be the well, eyelash viper, though, 100%. Well, Those guys are absolutely okay. beautiful. I was going to say,
3: play the clip and you guys think about it. You guys can while we play
4: this soundtrack. But there's a whole bunch of families of annuins that have these alkaloids, and what sort of blew my mind was how many different types of alkaloids there are. I mean, just take a guess. How many alkaloids have been found in these frogs?
5: Ooh, let's think. Okay, sensible guess.
4: Sixty-five.
5: 850. Wow, that's mental. And those are all individual kind of noxious poisonous compounds that could do a predator harm?
4: Um, whether they're all, all noxious and th- there's all the alkaloids. I'm, I'm not sure if all of them would be harmful or not. I'm sure some are relatively benign. But 433 of those are found in Mentella and they're the second most alkaloid rich family of frogs out there.
5: Cool. That's quite a, quite a claim to fame.
4: Two hundred and sixty-six of them are unique to Mantella as well, which is and pretty so wicked.
5: Is that because those two hundred and sixty-six are unique to the invertebrate
4: fauna of Madagascar? Well, perhaps this is this is something something we don't know. Certainly, some of it could be being uh, generated by the frog. So far, only nine percent of the eight hundred and fifty alkaloids found have been shown to have a direct dietary origin. Oh wow. So there's a there's a lot of room for um uh what what's the word for, oh fab- fabrication I guess fabric no fabrication isn't the right word. No, but I know what you mean, like G- just... generating these alkaloids, you know, yeah. within the frog itself. Yeah. Not
5: simply sequestering them from their prey species.
4: Yes. Manufacturing yeah. them. These all sounds these are all very industrial words. And yeah. That's not what I'm looking for. I like the idea of
5: a frog <laughs> manufacturing something. That's quite funny. Just a tiny away. factory of frogs. Yeah. <laughs> busy away in the leaf litter.
4: His boss is giving him a hard time. Or yeah, two and it would three. It, it it feels solvable, doesn't it?
5: Yeah, and it would be quite fun to set up some kind of f- frog arena where the males have a chance to learn how to fight before they go into the wild. <laughs> a frog arena? Yeah, come Are gonna... on. Man. Look, I didn't get into I didn't get into this <laughs> conservation business to help animals. I want to see them fight. <laughs>
4: Fight for my enjoyment. <laughs> go, Goldie, go. Go, <laughs> Goldie, yeah. 20 bucks on Goldie. They're both called Goldie now. <laughs> Goldie A5. <laughs> well, I, w- I just wanted to sort of get your get your opinion on it, the, the idea of setting up a captive breeding population and then selling them on to uh, the pet market as a way to counter poaching and taking from wild populations and whether that is actually something that should be encouraged and is ethical and would actually help reduce poaching or it's going to just sort of not because poaching's still going to be quite cheap, isn't it?
5: So, so uh, I think fundamentally it's a good idea and it comes from the right place. I'm no expert in this, so a lot of what I'm going to say is probably just conjecture and nonsense, but my fear would be that the way I perceive trade in rare and endangered species to work is that the very thing which makes them attractive is the tra- the fact that they're rare to a lot of people. And so um, it could be that once you flood the market in this way, um, the market may not stay flooded for long. Because I hear from sort of like hobbyists of uh, snakes and stuff, you know, n- numerous friends that we share are hobbyists. I keep snakes and, you know, And they say a lot of people who are a bit older talk about times where certain species which are really hard to get hold of now have been really, really popular and like really hard to get and really expensive. Um, And then likewise, similarly, there's species which in the past have been really abundant and easy to get hold of, which are now really, really difficult to get hold of. And my concern would be that there wasn't enough people who were interested in keeping these animals as pets if they weren't easy to keep that eventually the interest would wane because they were common and then it wouldn't be reasonable for the people who initially flooded the market as a means of conserving them to keep doing so and they'd eventually wind up 10 years down the line 15 years down the line being just as rare as they initially were without any impetus for anyone to keep flooding the market and the whole cycle would repeat itself
4: and they've got these these beautiful yellow spots just on their sort of rear flanks, which I presume is where the name's coming from. Slalo
5: immaculata, yeah. The groin yeah. the groin. Is that a well groin? They called it they called it the uh inguinal region. And I was yes. like, what's an inguinal region? Where's my inguinal region? <laughs> <laughs> and um <laughs> Uh, uh, and I just googled it and it said the groin of an animal well I suppose it's because frogs are all backwards aren't they Mm, yeah they're yeah I mean that's why they were once known as the back to front jumpy man (laughs) what is that oh well that's the back to front all upside down lives in the stream jumpy man
4: (laughs) I like to call him the fly eater (laughs) you know the leaf litter bug muncher (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's spot on. Um,
5: And they spend about 120 days in the torrent eating algae before they metamorphose, and that's actually the longest amount of time this creature ever spends not subterranean.
4: That's pretty cool. Yeah,
5: it's quite cool, isn't it?
4: That's their outdoors life.
5: Yeah. Kind of like if humans went to primary school as normal. And then thereafter lived in a subterranean dungeon, only, <laughs> only emerging for one week of the year when it was raining to copulate furiously
4: with everyone else who'd also emerged. See, that's that's a very different, uh, I'm just thinking of the film Time Machine now, <laughs> Morlocks, so it's a very, very the Morlocks, different
5: film. Yeah, for, for us it's a terrible dystopian nightmare, but for Bapati's Purple Frog it's just another day at the office.
4: Oh, you don't know. They might be. They might be tragically depressed every day of their life. They might hate it. It might be a
5: dystopian future for these poor frogs. Do you think like time slows to a to grinding halt, and they just pray for rain? <laughs> and
4: then it's gone in an instant. Oh man, terrible. God, oh, what? Yeah, what is their perception of time even like? How do how do frogs perceive time? There's a, there's a PhD for you. There's a
5: that's not a PhD. That's like. That's the beginnings of an existential
4: crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're probably not wrong.
2: That's awesome.
4: Oh,
3: man, that's fabulous.
2: So, is there (laughs) anything you guys have kind of learned while doing the podcast that has really blown your mind further with your whole keeping and uh, just basic reptile, how you approach reptiles?
3: Well, Hold
5: on. First, I got to answer about the art. I know. Oh yeah. First, I got to uh, answer about the art. Sorry. Yeah, fine, first. Then we can talk about <laughs> that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, the art. Um, I've got a few favorites. Ben did a Brachiosaurus the uh, Big Trouble and Little Chameleons episode.
0: Mm. Uh-huh. Like mm. a
5: yeah. Tiny little micro chameleon on a stick. Um, yeah, that's just awesome with his little horse. And uh, yeah, the uh, I really like the one recently. In fact, it was our last episode. Um, which was also about chameleon. Yeah. yeah. So that mm-hmm. chameleon is actually based upon a photo that uh, Jan, who I was talking about earlier, one of my supervisors took of one of the flat chameleons that I actually studied. I actually know that chameleon. Um, <laughs> we weren't, we're not friends, <laughs> but
0: <yeah. laughs> I think
5: it's a really, really awesome rendition of that animal. So I'm a big fan of that one. Um, and then finally, uh, I mean I like them all a lot but the anaconda from the anaconda episode uh-huh. it's just looks so quizzical and kind of confused and harmless
4: um, and innocent I really Only like the that. non grumpy animals.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you do, you do have a tendency to make all the animals you draw look absolutely livid. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Not well, that works it just chameleon. sort of happens that way.
2: I mean but the chameleon was it's livid three,
4: so four, that
3: works two. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah through weird. the life Fair enough. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, that's great. Um, yeah, so go ahead, Owen, if you
2: want to repeat uh, just, that question. I was just saying, if there's anything you guys have learned on the podcast that have kind of changed how you go about uh, either research or keeping your animals, because, I mean, I know with over the years with me and Eric, learning and talking with all these people has definitely put my perspective kind of on its head a few times. So is there mm-hmm. anything that's happened with you guys like that?
5: Hmm, um, in terms of keeping, I'm not sure, like, um, I think uh, learning about, I mean, just how incredibly deadly boa constrictors are, and how <laughs> how they kill things, um, really gives me respect for the ones that I have, and I was just, every time I look at them now, I just think, my goodness me, you are like the pinnacle of millions of years of being the best at killing, um, so yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily changed the way I keep them, but definitely very regularly, things we read about on the podcast changed my perspective on like complexity of nature and I think because we decided to do a podcast called Herpetological Highlights so it encapsulates like I said earlier um you know frogs uh Sicilians these were animals which although I kind of like admired them from a distance I never really had the impetus to read about and learn about and actually like fully appreciate the like bizarreness of so there was a paper a few weeks ago, uh, we did an episode called uh, Duplicitous Dendrobatids. And uh, yeah, paper in that, which is actually from this year. It's still brand new fresh. And there's a frog, Dendrobates tinctorius, which um, from far away is like supremely well camouflaged. It does blend in. It has like bright colored bands. But then when you get close up to it, it's like supremely obvious. It stands out. And just the notion that an animal could be camouflaged far away and then, like, extremely glaringly obvious and threatening from close up was, like, a bit of a revelation to me. I never really considered that camouflage could be so, like, multifaceted. And things like that just really get me going. Whenever something like that comes out, you're just like, whoa, you just have to kind of take stock. And, yeah, that's that's probably my favorite thing about it.
4: Hmm. Yeah, it's catching those new perspectives. I mean, for me, I suppose it's a little bit of a cheat because you – Uh, maybe put a little bit more effort into papers that may be directly applicable to research in Southeast Asia. So I suppose a very boring answer is ecological niche modeling. I've still (laughs) taken some methods from some of the papers we've read, but I mean, like in terms of keeping absolutely nothing, I mean, I, I, I don't keep reptiles and never have. So that's a complete blank for me. And uh yeah, my yeah. answer's boring and dry and it, it's all about computer <laughs> <the future> models. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's at least fine. it's accessible,
3: I... right? So that's the good
4: news. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's
2: fine. So let me see what else um, we got here so for you guys.
3: The, yeah, out of the that artwork rough. thing, I wanted to hit on uh the the red Bubble shop that you guys put up where you can get some stickers and hmm. things. I know I got some stickers and cups and things and whatever, so uh that's really cool if you wanted to Check that up a little bit. I'm sure you can get some sales out of it because, again, that artwork that you're doing, Ben, is awesome.
4: Oh, okay. yeah, Thanks. Yeah, we've got some plans for some more, hopefully, when I get the time in between <laughs> everything else.
5: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, we do. We sell a few T-shirts and stuff, the odd, the odd one here and there. We had someone send us a photo of them drinking coffee out of their mug recently, which was nice. Someone bought a mug with a massive toad on it. Yeah, so that was cool. Yeah, so yeah, toad. The, the toad is so sinister. The toad has every expression at once. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, yeah, a, 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 mug, a mug with a really scary toad on it. Yeah, the Herb Highlights Red Bubble shop is your, your one stop shop, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh,
2: uh, how does that work? Do you just go, is it like any other kind of merchandise shop online or? Uh is there a certain amount of orders that have to be placed before stuff gets filled?
4: oh uh, no. It's, it's all on demand. You order it, you'll get it. Job done. Um sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice and simple. Probably thing I think. Okay. I think it is.
5: Yeah, red bubble's connected all over the world, so they just take care of yeah, it. Yeah, there you, you
4: go. Ben just uploads pictures and then that's it. Yeah, nice high res stuff. Job done. Cool. So, as we're Eric, you ending have our, else?
1: yeah, I didn't. No, I was going like to ask that, that. As we always ask a question in the closing uh, for our guests as we're about to close. Oh, so, um, if you guys could herp anywhere in the world without limitations, there's money getting there, et cetera, et cetera, where would you go and
5: what would you hope to see? Mm hmm. Uh, Well, that's easy for me I would want to go to Costa Rica um, Because Well, principally because there are Eyelash palm pit vipers there Bothriaca shligalai Which uh, Mm. I've only seen once in a pet shop And oh my goodness me The yellow ones with their eyelashes Those things are unreal So yeah, that would be number one thing They've got that subspecies of um, The yellow-bellied sea snake Which we talked about on the podcast Which is like bright yellow Mm. And apparently uh-huh. if you go snorkeling in that little, um, I can't remember the name of the sea, but it's an isolated inland sea. And if you go there, apparently those those uh, sea snakes are easy to find. So I'd be wanting to bob around in the surf for a little while and see some of those.
0: <laughs>
5: very cool. That's
0: awesome.
5: Yeah. Yeah, very cool.
6: What
4: about you, uh, Ben? I think, I'd have to, I'd, I think I'd have to head to Indonesia. I haven't had the mm-hmm. chance to see Komodo dragons, and I think that they are absolutely top – of my list of species to see like i'll just regardless of whatever else is there it's just i go see komodo dragons that's what (laughs) i'd use it for it may be a bit Uh, of a waste i should go for something more exotic or weird but no massive lizards (laughs) giant (laughs) lizards yeah yeah um
2: well kind of the other question we ask is um what reptile would you keep but we're kind of going to change it for you guys and would be what reptile would you want to build a research study around Oh, yeah,
5: oh, that <laughs> is good, and you I must answer that, now.
0: <laughs> 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 okay, Oh, I tell you what. Um, oh,
5: uh, Bushmaster, the Bushmaster. What did Bushmaster? I'd love to know. Um, <laughs> what did yeah.
0: Bushmaster do? <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah. What do they? Yeah,
0: cool. it's
5: not a bad shout. Yeah, there's a good chance they'll be relatively relatively sedentary. We already know I don't like doing a lot of hard work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are massive. They're amazing. They're like super venomous. You know, you know pit vipers. I mean, what more could you want? So right. yeah, uh, what are they? Yeah, everything about bushmasters. I'd like to learn. So, uh, bushmasters would be it for me. Cool.
4: And I think I would go with some sort of Southeast Asian crocodilian. Like a Garel.
0: Oh, jeez. Okay.
4: Double-edged sword. Super threatened. Super awesome. They're also big enough tracker on, and that means way better data analysis potential. <laughs> Which, okay, that's not quite a boring reason to pick them, but you know, I'd like a break from shaky VHF radio telemetry data and get some really nice GPS data on a really vulnerable <laughs> special species. I could work with that. You just want to, yeah. You can do that remotely. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, glorious. Yeah. yeah really fancy <laughs> GPS stuff that just shoots it to satellites yeah. man that's the
5: future <laughs> following it around you just chill in the office yeah
4: data comes to me <laughs> yeah
5: cool it's
2: the ideal research it's awesome
4: yeah so I d-
2: and I, I do have
1: one last question and it's a closing question it kind of like I hope I phrased this right but um Oh, no, here we go. You know, the, the, no, no, no. The idea is <laughs> like when you're, when you keep a reptile, you, you, you become, uh, f- most people become fascinated by it and want to figure out where it's from and, you know, what's the environment like some people, even like myself, uh, headed to, and Rob are headed to Australia at the end of the month just to see the environment and see, you know, this snake that I love so much, um, you know, to see it in its natural environment and what it does and et cetera, et cetera. So. How can the average, you know, keeper, you know, try to help the comp- conservation side of, uh, you know, reptiles um, so that that doesn't get overlooked? Because really that, you know, you would hope that you would want to protect the environment that that reptile
5: that you love is from. Mm. Any
0: thoughts? Yeah.
5: Um, well, I think there's probably a few different ways you could go about that. Um, I mean, just reptiles in general, just like talking about snakes all the time, and you know, mm-hmm. sharing your enthusiasm for snakes. I mean, as Ben was saying earlier, these are some of the most maligned animals on the earth. Despite the fact that we all are completely obsessed and love them, the vast majority. I mean, you only have to go on Facebook and see a post, any any post about someone finding a rattlesnake, and one in every four people will be saying, "Let's kill it." um Mm -hmm. so yeah just just like sharing sharing your interest i think would probably be a positive thing um and there are you know there's various organizations that you can uh, donate to and things like that as well um yeah but i mean and then and there again if you're if you're fortunate enough to be in a position where you can do some volunteering uh, you know devote some of your time i mean that's where me and ben met we met volunteering in in the jungle you know giving up some some months to to go out and actually gather some information on um and it's such a privilege to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. if that's something which you can consider, then yeah, that's kind of the the ultimate, I suppose. What, what would you say, Ben?
4: I think the attitude thing is a is a big a big step, yeah. Um, especially for your snake stuff. Uh, I think possibly one of the one of the. I'm go- I'm I'm sure I'm going to make a lot of you know irritate a lot of people. But uh, beef industry is such an absolute nightmare. Beef and palm oil for habitat destruction.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: I, I know it's, it's several steps uh, of thought down the line that you're actually impacting uh, snakes and reptiles that you found sort of fascinating. But mm-hmm. learning about those, this is a geography background coming out in me, learning about those connections of what you're consuming in X place and how it's affecting Y, and trying to link those sort of things up and uh, connect that back to the animals that you adore. Um, For sure. And wrapping that all up in a more sort of holistic uh, mindset with the way you look at ecosystems in the world. Yeah, it's it's not the easiest thing to do. But um, I think if you've got something quite uh, potent, like a love of reptiles, it can motivate a lot of people and uh, get that behavioral change, which sort of needs to happen at some point. And the sooner Mm -hmm. the better. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you would make anybody mad with that. I mean, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I would tend to agree, but... Seems pretty um,
3: reasonable, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh,
1: I don't know. It's awesome uh, talking with you guys and to actually learn about you guys personally, uh, you know, has, uh, has been great. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I don't know if you want to throw out any, you know, website, email. I mean, do you take requests for shows? Does that work like that? Or <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How do you
5: uh we kind of like loosely do um we have a page okay. which people can request but like equally if people okay. get in touch with us and want to ask questions and stuff we always do mm. but before i say that uh yeah just thank you so much for having us on like um yeah thank yeah, you it's, it's been good it's great Absolutely. thanks for giving us a platform to talk about ourselves and some clips um it's really great to have a, a chat with you guys after listening for ages and well, having all three of you as well been awesome.
6: um, yeah it's really really cool. cool
5: uh yeah um, there's numerous ways that you can get in touch with us we're on Facebook um, just search for Herpetological Highlights similarly Twitter um, you can get in touch with us via email Um yeah I think that just about rounds it off doesn't it Ben I think that's about it yeah I mean
4: the, the podcast is pretty easily findable on iTunes and uh, Podbean and various other podcast distributing networks others are available uh, okay. yeah Go look in and you'll find it. Awesome. I did put the link to the sh- to to
1: your guys' website in the show description, so to scroll down oh, and we. you know the listeners they can go right to uh, to their website. Um, so again, man, keep up the great work. Uh, keep those yeah. shows rolling and uh, look forward to the next one. So.
5: Hey, well, thank awesome. you guys. Thank you very much for having us on. Yeah, thanks guys. Absolutely. Thank you.
1: All right. Good night. Good know, day. Whatever out. it is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all of them. It's all of the above. Have a great morning, pal. All, <laughs> all <laughs> right. You too. All right. Dude. Thanks, guys.
1: Thanks, guys. Good stuff. Uh, I highly recommend. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, there. If you you even have the remote interest in reptiles, uh, I call it uh, looking under the hood. Uh, if you would say, you know, I mean, like everybody seems to be, uh, uh, obsessed with the, uh, the paint job or the pattern or whatever, but, uh, you know, these guys, uh, jump into what's going on underneath the hood of how these snakes and reptiles and amphibians work. Um, so, uh, you're for sure to get some kind of insight, uh, listening to the show. So, uh. I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, You got any thoughts? I I know you're a you're a hardcore fan like me, Rob. What do you think?
3: Yeah, no, I thought it was great, and I, uh, you know, I thought the clips were fun. To me, it's you know what I said to them, where it's just it's so uh, they make the information so accessible, but they're also having a great time when they're doing it, Um, and that makes it really (laughs) fun to listen to, you know.
1: I know I was trying to figure out who's the Eric and who's the Owen and like in the, you know and I'm listening to those guys go back and forth and I'm like ah oh, see Owen that's uh you know that's that's how podcast host and co-host and uh co-host talk to each other you know
0: <laughs> so, uh, so- <laughs> <So what>? <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> yeah
1: just take a little jabs at each other are, all the are time saying, you know? are you saying
2: are you saying that studying cobras do is better than pit vipers? Pit right vipers is better there. than cobras you know
0: yeah i mean
2: <laughs> i mean let's go back to your dirt colored uh carpet pythons i mean we can yeah. do that all day exactly okay. but yeah. um you know for sure um, you, and then and uh, the, the, that one jab I still have never, ever gotten over where you were like the, I have high dollar animals in bins <laughs> and you have great cages. I'm like, what
6: that?
3: <laughs> that was
0: early. Oh, two like thirds of the way through. That Haunt was like
3: 2014. Two nightmare. thirds of the way through, you
0: stopped. <laughs> yeah. God. Oh,
1: that's not going to end. You realize good, what you're about so. to
0: say, you stopped. <laughs> I was going to
1: keep going.
0: Oh, gosh.
1: For sure. But uh, So the real yeah. question is whether
3: you two are going to have another show tonight so that I can have something to listen to. <laughs> nope, sorry. Um, you got
1: one. That would be <laughs> –
3: un-
1: uh, unfortunately, Rob, uh, and this is not bullshit, you can only do one show a day.
2: So, oh, uh, and we will not be back here. What tomorrow. a shame! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what, a shame. what a shame. You know, yeah. it's bad enough that I had to explain to Jim that I needed the day off to do record an episode for the podcast, and he was studying around the office telling me how he was uh, had to struggle to work at the office by himself, and I'm like, but Rob and Eric asked, and he goes, well, well, if Rob and Eric asked. I'm like, so wait, if I ask, it's a no go, but if those guys ask. So, yeah.
1: Okay. Don't worry. Next time you need uh, a day off, Owen, just hit me up, and I'll hit I'll hit oh, Big Jim yeah. up. You'll and, call uh, it? Okay, good. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. get you off. Uh,
2: no Thanks. Problem. Thank you.
1: Rob, don't pull that clip. Do not pull that clip. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> what I just said, do not ever pull that clip. Uh,
2: no. To <laughs> okay. Add that in from now on. Rob, this one's yeah. off limits. Yeah. Yes. You know, ten years from
0: well, now, Ralph's gonna be pulling that a, clip. It puts
3: a big yellow highlighter around it, you know, and just like, <laughs> ooh, that was really damn, right.
1: one.
0: <laughs>
1: damn it. Um but uh you know, for our listeners, I would say that the episode that you guys should delve into first would be the uh Bodacious Boas. I, I think that uh, you guys will really get um a new insight into the way constriction constriction works. Um, because I think Rob, you were saying in our little chat that, you know, if you asked probably most keepers out there or people that are even interested in snakes, you know, how do bone some pythons work, they would say constriction is uh, suffocation. Um, but there's so much more going on. Um, it just blows my mind, you know, yeah. so I would say that would be the episode to, uh, to jump into and then you're going to be hooked, you know, so. Especially Morelia people in general, yeah, I find totally. them to be, uh, attend, uh, a lit, a bit more, uh, I guess, geekier would be the word, uh, figuring out what's mm-hmm. under the hood, you know what I mean?
2: <laughs> so, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. totally.
3: And, I mean, heck, if you like Owen, there's plenty of, uh, you know, plenty of little side commentary and stuff and, British humor and those sorts of things. I'm glad we didn't mention that. I thought they were from the colonies to start with. So that was good. <laughs> oh, Rob. <laughs> oh, Rob. Thank
2: you so much.
3: This has, been two uh, we- this
2: has been two weeks in a row of Rob. I mean, you know, this is – we've been using up our Rob Stone power because then –
0: He's I don't think coming I was back here from... last week, wasn't?
2: No, I'm sorry, it was the week, week before. before. It's just my way presence,
0: is so it just bleeds <laughs> into so to one. To I'm it sorry,
2: it,
3: it feels like it's all one thing. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you're gonna be
2: back on okay. later when you guys get back from Australia, so you know there's that.
3: Yeah, I can't believe how yeah, well close I mean that I told you, you we're like yeah prior right? the I, I from guess that. we actually got to start nailing that stuff down, but well we're turning up uh, one way or another. It's a question of what we have if we're ready or whatever. Yeah. We're, just remember. Well, just got to be ready to play, man.
2: Just remember. Ready if, to play. If, if, bo- if both of you were eaten by crocodiles, that will be the end of NPR. So one of you has to come back. So.
0: Well, we'll do the best yeah.
1: we can. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try my best, man. I, I okay. do not plan on uh, getting eaten by a crocodile, but. Uh, uh,
2: no, I, does anybody really ever if plan I do, on getting eaten by a crocodile? I mean.
1: You ever see that video of the saltwater croc flipping around the little pig? Yes. <laughs> that's going to be about the uh, extent uh,
0: if I got uh, eaten by a crocodile. Yeah.
2: <laughs> see, flipping that's the problem is I'm trying to clean the house. And I guess because the Irwins now have a new TV show on Animal Planet mm-hmm. – um, Animal Planet all day Sunday was showing, like, the best of Steve Irwin. So I'm like, I'll just Mm -hmm. tune this on, and then I'll clean the house. Nothing got done. Nothing got done on the house (laughs) because it was like, I remember this episode, and then I was glued to the television. So yeah, yeah, don't be like that.
1: I will try not to. But, you know,
2: Rob, he's always saying, uh, (laughs) you know,
1: just be ready to play. So, you know, sometimes you have to be ready to play, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Very good. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, we only have a few more shows before we are done for the year and then, That's uh, so we weird. gear it up for next year. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, man. This, this year just was like a blink. It's done. Yeah. You know? But, um, okay. Um, yeah, it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon our time. So, I'm looking forward to having the rest of my day where I don't have to worry about a
0: show tonight, you know.
1: <laughs> go get a haircut, lunch, uh, have some lunch, go clean some yeah. uh some snakes and then uh you know, relax for the day. So, awesome. But um yeah, I don't know. Anything else you guys want to add?
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh no. Nah, I mean, like I got a I have a show coming up this Saturday uh at oaks and that's pretty much all i got so if you're in the oaks pennsylvania area or at the oaks pa reptile show come by table say hi
1: now are you going to be anywhere near the uh from the ground up slash port city pythons crew
2: i hope so because if i am i'm going to throw stuff (laughs) at them all day so it's going to be like i'm just going to be making paper airplanes i'm not even going to sell snakes i'm just going to be torturing them so you
1: heard it guys yeah
2: (laughs) be ready and steal their business cards, <laughs> so <laughs> and burn them like we did to you, or what?
1: That was no, <laughs> I that that was
0: uh,
1: So okay, I had to keep warm, man. It was cold over that year. You bullshit! You're, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was the only thing
2: available to burn. I, I, That's
0: I'm a so tiny, alive, tiny little
2: guy, man. In the yeah. picture that I still have, Baylin is in a T-shirt. See, you know, it's bullshit. I didn't
1: say Balin was cold. I said I was cold. He got tired of hearing me complain that you know I was you're cold, and he's ground. like, <laughs> "Listen, you little <laughs> hobbit, you know, get yeah, yourself get a chair. So you're not down there on the ground. <laughs>
2: yeah, cold air sinks, fool. <laughs> he, he's dying down there. We have to keep him alive. <laughs> yeah, you know. He's like, "What do
1: we got to burn? Ah, oh, we'll burn that. He's not. Oh, and business cards. So you yeah, know, we'll send you <laughs>
2: pictures. Yeah."
1: Good stuff.
3: I've always been disappointed that we haven't brought them the last few years, you know? I thought you were going to bring a continuous supply, but I don't know. Wanted my business learned. cards to burn? Yes. Yeah, well, well just no. fun, you know? Like... Well, the
2: last couple of years I've been there, and you guys couldn't burn my business cards in front of me.
3: Mm. Well, you could have. Well, this year. Did. I guess I'm thinking of this year. We need to I grab send some, any, Eric, on the way out.
2: Why do you uh, think I didn't send any with Eric? Because I knew what would happen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I,
1: true story. Mm. I, for the record, I did not burn them, so just saying. I'm, yeah, all right. it's all right. I'm
2: going I'm going through my suitcase, and I found a package of uh, Reading Reptile Breeders business cards and uh, S&J Reptile stickers. And I'm like, this is from that carpet fest where we went, and the bed was covered with them. So, yeah.
1: Awesome. Speaking of Carpet Fest, it looks like the yeah. uh, the guys over there in the U.K. have uh, said announced the time of year it's going to be. So I think it's going to be <laughs> summer of 2019. Um, so that's Sweet. probably very doable uh, for me to uh, make the trip.
2: Well, across. unless it's in June of 2019.
1: Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, if they pick the same day that uh, Northeast Carpet Fest, who knows? Maybe, <laughs> you know, I...
0: <laughs> Wait, you'll leave to you out. <laughs> are, you, are you sorry I, Owen, you're on is, your own. That is the
2: worst decision you could possibly do. I mean
0: figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: that is a uh, horrible choice. Uh it's a true story.
1: But uh yeah, I would uh, I would so look forward to going over and uh putting names with faces of all the the people uh over there and uh I, I guess it's gonna be where did they say it was gonna be at? uh bring uh,
3: Is is you out of yeah birmingham i think is where uh where yeah where they're out of so i mean that's a bit of a you know you got to get there from london or whatever but it's not a bad trip man it's really not so either in terms of um price or or difficulty or any of that so
2: yeah there you just went the wrong time of year yes so
3: yeah (laughs) right cool
1: all right, well, I guess we will uh close out the the show. Um and uh yeah, thanks again to the to the guys from uh Herpetological Highlights. Uh, for sure check it out. Um and next week, I don't remember who's on next week. So, um, Oh
2: god. Damn it. I didn't fill it out. Uh, so
1: <laughs> I'll figure it out. All, the only thing I know is next week there will be a show. So how about that? Yes. <laughs> At our regularly scheduled time. Regular time. time um, yeah.
0: <laughs> so
1: look forward to that. Um, yeah. So for us, our website is Moralia. Pie. Oh, I got the calendars. Um, so, I think it's uh, actually going to be an awesome year. People have already started putting um, prepaying for them. Um, nice. Basically, I uh, hope to have everything squared away um, by the time that Casey comes back. He just left for Australia, and yes. he will be back right before we leave for Australia. Uh, <laughs> I'm so
2: like, I'm watching this, and like Casey's getting on the plane. I'm like, oh crap! <laughs> it's like, what does this mean for the calendars?
3: Maybe <laughs> I'll have some tips for it. Response or, yeah. or any of that stuff. So yep.
1: really yeah, yeah, he's he's going to. Uh, I think he's headed to Sydney and then he's headed up to Alice Springs. Um, of course, he wants to see Great. bread live so. in the wild. So uh, yeah. wish him the best of sure. luck there. But uh, there should be no issues with getting it out right. You know, uh, I think it's pretty decent turnaround time, so you should have him right in time for uh, for the beginning of the new year. So if you want to prepay, uh, you know hit me up, send me a message. Um, my uh, PayPal is burkephila at com. I'll spell that real quick. B-U-R-K-E-P-H-I-L-A at gmail.com. Uh, and what we're doing basically is 15 shipped within the U.S., 20 shipped outside of the U.S. So um, be sure if you're going to PayPal me, um, just uh, be sure to include your address and your name. Um, so, you know, because obviously Burke Philla is not my name. I don't want to send it to Burke Phila at somebody's address. So just put your name and, uh, and uh, we'll get it out to you. Um, I think this is probably the best calendar yet. I think, in my opinion, the, 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 uh, the are are really on point. So, um, so, yeah, uh, com is our website, and our email is info at com. As far as myself, uh, I can be found at ebmorelia.com. My email is eric at ebmorelia.com. Um, you can find me all over the place, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, et cetera.
2: That's all I got. Cool. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, and then uh, yeah, I'll Rob. close I, I will <laughs>
3: close out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, same continuation from when I was on here before, you know, and Really big in the Instagram thing. I think it's cool that you can, you know, just put up and see lots of cool pictures without having to see a bunch of uh, stuff that either just you know angries up the blood or irritates you or isn't interesting. So high plains herp uh, on Instagram, still doing the herp history thing. I saw Omac put up a uh, little mangroves. I love that. So do some more of
0: that,
6: you know.
3: (laughs) Eric, put up some more pictures and stuff, you know. Everyone can join in because it's it's super cool.
1: What the hell are you you talking about? I know her history.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Under hashtag her history. Yeah. Oh, it's about to get real now, bro. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, I like it, man. All right.
3: (laughs) I'm not, uh, you know, just like you, Eric. You know. Be the change you want in the world, right? You know, this is something I'd love to see. I love seeing everything that everyone else posts. I know uh, I know, Port City folks have put up a post there, too, with some sort of uh, Central American Iguana and all this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone should participate in that because I'm not doing it to show my own stuff. I want to, you know, encourage folks to do it themselves so I can just go on there and scroll picture after picture.
1: Cool. I'm going to put hashtag Herp History, hashtag ready to play.
0: <laughs> love it man, love it Awesome,
2: you know and, it, and it's funny because I was messaging Rob Earlier this week because I went out And I did another um, insane Colubrid binge um, And I'm like, Rob how hard are these He goes, And they were my black copper Rat snakes And he goes, they're a pretty calm species And like as I'm reading that one of them just starts <laughs> Chewing on me and I'm like That's, well, that's not right <laughs> So That's like, you know <laughs> In so. your world, I was just there. saying, right. relative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The radiated
3: band, those right? are going to be a nightmare.
2: They are. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're twitchy and hilarious. And yeah. I love them. <laughs> so it's, you know, it, they're, no, they're very great cool. Great
3: choices for you, man. They are. Oh, they, yeah. They're awesome and fun, but, you know, they are. Those certainly have a solid rep. You know, I don't know if they're considered worse than the Caranata, but, yeah, both of those are you know, consider to have that reputation, which just means you'll love them all the more. So it's a great thing. I place.
2: know. Well, I got the copper black set up and I, and I, I keep like catching them as they're moving around their enclosure. So it's very cool. I have no idea how I'm going to feed them because I'm, I've got to find them to feed them. So it's going to get interesting, but uh, I'm excited. I like this kind of cool, rarely produced kind of shit. So
3: yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's something, I think, you know, we're talking less than, you know, less than a handful of those, clutches of those have been made in the U.S., man. So, every really is, you know, you'll have done something for sure. I would probably drop feed those, either start with live or then drop feed them. I don't think you yeah. want to be, they're probably not going to react well to tongs.
2: That's what I figured. Yes. Yeah. All right, we'll have fun with that, and I'll let you guys know. Anyway, uh, for me, you can go to rogue-reptiles.com. It is still in the process of being updated, but the for sale page is currently up to date. You can also go to facebook.com and look up Rogue Reptiles. Give us a like. All the animals that we have for sale are there, as well as any updates on the pre-season, which is well underway. I've already paired the womas, the white lips, the olives, the water pythons. And uh, I think that's it so far. Um, And uh, we'll see how all that stuff goes. Uh, Like I said, I do have a show that I'm vending this Saturday. It's at the Oaks uh, Greater Philadelphia Expo Center. Uh, If you're around, come by, say hi. Definitely want to talk shop. Uh, Other than that, uh, thank you all for listening. And we're going to catch everybody back here next week at the correct time for some more Morelia (laughs) Python Radio Have a good day. (laughs) That's all I got.